This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily Game Day Edition. Jets back at home opening up a big four-game homestand tonight against our old pal Pascal Vincent and the Columbus Blue Jackets, unfortunately without former Jet Patrick Liney in the lineup who remains on IR. Um, we're going to get into it with Mike McIntyre. So many great things to talk about when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets right now who are still on top of the league as the uh, number one team in the overall standings going into tonight's uh, opener of the four-game homestand. Mike McIntyre coming up a little later on. And one of our absolute favorites, Mike Kelly of NHL Network, is going to lead things off. And uh, Mike's been digging into how the Jets have become the juggernaut that they are. Um, And some really interesting notes on the fourth line. Um, So we'll get into that, get Mike's thoughts on uh, the Jets' season so far, how sustainable this is, and what the ceiling might be for Winnipeg. Um, So really looking forward to that. We'll get to Bones in just a minute for his thoughts on the upcoming games and uh, hear from Mark Shifley a little bit later on. Um, Shout out to everybody in chat and thanks to everyone that joined us yesterday. Holy smokes, one of our biggest shows uh, in a long, long time. And um, I guess what's good for the city when the team's playing well, it's good for us here on WST and everyone else in the digital space because Jet fans seem to be very fired up and... uh, with good reason. Um, as I tweeted out yesterday, I mean, the only one thing left to see is uh, maybe a few more full houses down at uh, Canada Life Centre. So if you have been on the fence, um, now's a great time to get out there and see a team that is playing as well as any in the National Hockey League. Jets have some great ticket deals, particularly for the Tuesday night games. So tonight and next Tuesday against the New York Islanders, I know there'll be a big crowd on Thursday, and unfortunately, I think a lot of people were probably getting those tickets in advance to see Connor Bedard. He, unfortunately, will not be in the lineup with the uh, what's left of the Chicago Blackhawks on, on Thursday. Um, but a great crowd expected for that game, and still some tickets available for what should be a great Saturday night matchup against the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, so get to Jets.com slash tickets, and hopefully we'll see you at the game. Um, speaking of the Philadelphia Flyers, we're going to get into this right off the top with Reem. It's a very interesting trade last night in the National Hockey League by the Flyers while they were playing the Pittsburgh Penguins of one of their top prospects coming of going to Anaheim in Cutter Goche, who just finished up at the World Juniors. And I mean, there's so many angles to all of this. We'll get to get it together. But that was a big, big story last night that broke as the Flyers and Penguins we're going at it. Uh, only four games last night in the National Hockey League, but some really, really good games. Vancouver looked amazing at MSG, taking on and beating the New York Rangers. And uh, no surprise, it was a three-point game, but a pretty exciting one between Colorado and Boston last night uh, as well. But a big slate of games tonight, headlined here in the peg by the NHL's hottest team, the Winnipeg Jets, taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. We'll get to all of it coming up over the next couple hours. Just before we get into it, Got to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, the Winnipeg Jets, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Sport Manitoba, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Modern Man Barbershop, and of course our friends uh, at Not Auto Corp will get to a why not question of the day. Let's uh, get her going. Welcome to everybody in chat. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and uh, hit the thumbs up. 
Michael Remus, what is going on? Are you ready to uh, are you ready to enjoy the lap of luxury tonight with our Lucas, our winner at the game? Yeah, looking forward to Jets Blue Jackets tonight. What is it? Beat the Winter Blues game, and we'll be in the uh, the new Plainout Lounge. So that sounds real exciting, and I'm looking forward to seeing can the Jets keep this streak going unbeaten in regulation. And, I mean, the excuse train just keeps coming, and the Jets keep knocking them down. And we got, what do we got here? First game back at home after a long road trip on a Tuesday night. Uh, <laughs> look, they found a bunch of solutions to win on Sunday. Uh, the final game of road trip, you know, however many games and however many nights, who's keeping track. But they just seem to keep rolling. And not only did they win on Sunday, Huss, they looked totally dominant against the uh, Arizona team and uh, Columbus, you know, not having a great season, and we'll see how the Jets look tonight against them. Keep it rolling as they are still number one in the NHL after uh, the standings changes from yesterday. Well, and, and you know what? I was just, we were talking about this on the lock shop uh, with Dusty over on EST last hour, and, you know, there's two games at home this week, and I know Connor had the balls to come on the program and call a five-game run here. Um, probably the toughest part of it were those three and four nights on the road. Check, check, check. Um, you know, you've got Columbus tonight, and then, as I mentioned, uh, what's left of the Blackhawks or the uh, pseudo-Rockford Icehogs. The Jets have played 39 games right now. If they are able to win these next two games they will be the number one team in the National Hockey League at the midway point of the season. Um, and, you know, and I haven't checked on the exact date, Remus, and this isn't something we've talked about before, but I believe it's at some point this week when they determine the coaches for the All-Star game. And again, the coaches for the All-Star game, it's uh, kind of a hilarious, hilarious note because I don't think there's a lot of coaching when it comes to the... Uh, <laughs> the three-on-three -three games that they play at the All-Star game. Um, but if you've looked at the voting right now, um, there's no Winnipeg Jets on the on the list very close. Now, either Winnipeg Jet fans fire it up and really start getting voting for Morrissey and Shifley and Nikolai Ehlers, or Connor Hellebuck will be the lone representative of the Winnipeg Jets. But the team, I think, has it within its hands to send bones to the All-Star game and that would be pretty cool, and I think Bones would um, absolutely deserve that with the job that he's done so far, and hopefully he could bring Arnie and the gang with him because, uh, man, this Jets coaching staff's had an unbelievable season. Yeah, we were all on the Bones for Jack Adams train last year. Bones, get him the All-Star. Remember there was like one, they need to win one game for him to get in, and they, you know, that was the one thing we had, and they didn't win, and that second half last year just went totally off the rails, so I guess it's part part two, Huss, of get Bones to the All-Star game, although it's not in Florida this year where he has a home. It's in sunny Toronto. So, uh, you know, we saw the video on social media of the Kraken telling Oliver Bjorkstrand he was going to the All-Star game. Didn't sound exactly enthused. Cancel his Airbnb in San Diego. Uh, but it is nice, I'm sure, to get league-wide recognition and tell everyone or let the league know how great you actually are. Um, that Bjorkstrand thing was kind of funny um, because right afterwards he put on uh, his Instagram story the uh, he did the the picture of you have canceled your reservation and um, um, as I said I think for a lot of the forwards I mean you love to see recognition 
for your players and to be there in the mix with the best in the league. But as long as the team, as the, the league is giving one representative from every team, there's going to be plenty of top players that are missing out on the all-star game. And I have a feeling that plenty of the Winnipeg Jets will be just fine with that. Um, but it would really be neat to see Rick Bonus sort of be there as a representative as well of the Winnipeg Jets. And listen, I think Connor Hellebuck's at the top of that list. But if you think about contributors to the season the Jets have had, Bones is right up there as well. And it would be really neat to see that. So uh, the Jets can take care of business with that if they can get these next couple wins heading into the weekend against the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, we'll hear from Bones in a minute. And we'll look at the games. We should tease this because, Reem, um, just before we get to this Philly story, we've got a gift for you, WSTers. And I know this is going to get some people fired up. We are fired up. Tomorrow on the program, world junior gold medalist and Jets first rounder, Rucker McGrory. And I imagine, Remo, Rucker was probably already fired up and in a great, uh, well, he seems to always be that way 24 7. Uh, but in addition to winning the gold medal, his Michigan Wolverines won the national championship last night. So uh, uh, really looking forward to a conversation with McGrory tomorrow. And uh, we'll have that on tomorrow's edition of WST. Yeah, schedule them. So hopefully he's recovered from all the celebrations from winning the juniors and Michigan winning the national championship. And looking forward to it. always a great time. You know, we still get likes. Like I have, I posted clips of it on our TikTok. It's still getting likes. Uh, the interview did with him last year, you know, when they won that crazy bronze game. So now they won gold and, you know, he's had another season at Michigan looking forward uh, to having uh, Rutger on tomorrow. So uh, yeah, tune in and welcome to everyone who's here. We had so many, I think we had a lot of new people. We had the biggest sub jump yesterday on YouTube, like 50 subs yesterday. It was, wow. it was wild. Yeah, it was a wild, a lot of podcast downloads. So shout out to everyone uh, who's here. This is so awesome. Uh, the, you know, the Jets are in. First place, and people want to, uh, you know, hear about the team and be involved in, in the community here. Well, it, it, you know what? It's funny you say that. Um, just, you know, in that, <laughs> um, it was a huge show yesterday. We were pushing 800 um, live with us on YouTube. The podcast was massive. Um, we ended up, you know, pushing 5,000 for the uh, for the views for yesterday. But there still are some people that don't know what we're doing here every night. I was out last night watching the uh, watching the college football game. Um, and I uh, saw a friend of mine, Rich Park, was with a buddy of his, and um, he was saying, oh, what, one of the guys that was with me, oh, I loved your show. What are you doing now? Really? I told him, well, what do you mean? <laughs> we're, we're doing Winnipeg Sports Talk. I showed him. He's like, are you serious? And he subbed right away on the podcast. Oh, my so, God. I mean, there still are some people out there and, uh, maybe that maybe aren't as much on social media or whatnot. But uh, anyways, folks, if, uh, if wow. you have one of those conversations that people don't know what we're doing, show them where they can sub and get in on right now because uh, – there's a lot of great Jets topics that are uh, thrown around on this show each and every day as the, as the team keeps on winning. But yes, oh man, people are fired up in chat. Yeah, Rucker tomorrow on the program. And I see Key said, is it a Chuck Hellebuck interview? Hang tight. Uh, we won't have them on the same day, but um, prospects are good of having a certain Hellebuck not named Connor on the program later on this week. So uh Heck, I mean, a big week, and uh, we're starting it off today, Remo. It's going to be great talking to Mike Kelly about the latest with the Winnipeg Jets. Now, listen, just before we get back to the Jets, I, I wanted to uh, quickly talk to you about this cutter go Jamie Drysdale trade last night. 
such a bizarre scenario in that, you know, most of us were sort of just getting into the football game and keeping an eye on what was happening on the ice. And then we get the tweet from the Philadelphia Flyers, a trade alert that they have. It was interesting the way they put it. We have acquired defenseman Jamie Drysdale and a second round pick from the Anaheim Ducks for the rights to forward Cutter Gauthier. And uh, after the World Junior that Cutter Gauthier just had, I don't think a lot of people were expecting that the Flyers, who have such high hopes for the future of their organization around players like that, would be trading right after the World Juniors. And the minute that happened, it set off a series of events, people questioning it online, and a Philadelphia Flyer organization that had all guns on hand, whether it was Briere, whether it was Keith Jones, whether it was, I believe, the chairman of the team, everybody going out speaking about how Cutter Gauthier said he didn't want to be a flyer, and if that's the case, we don't want you, and a trade was made. One of the more interesting ones we've seen in the league in a long time. Yeah, I thought it was only players that didn't want to be in Canada, Huss, and didn't want to play for a Canadian cities, but certainly interesting situation. I mean, Cutter Gauthier, we just saw him at the World Juniors, uh, you know, depending on what list, like top 15, top 10 prospect in the NHL, drafted uh, fifth overall in 2022 by the Flyers. And, uh, you know, the trade for Jamie Drysdale, like, wow, what a trade. You know, Drysdale, an upcoming uh, you know, prospect defenseman, you know, still a young defenseman in the NHL and, you know, battled some injuries this year and, what, a second-round pick. But to have, you know, Danny Briere, Keith Jones, you know, who's now the president, not... <laughs> A TV analyst go on TV and say, yeah, he didn't want to be here, so we didn't want him. Um, pretty wild, the takedown. You know, they asked John Tortorella after. He says, wouldn't know him from a hole in the wall. And it seemed like a coordinated effort to really slam this guy. And we weren't really sure what the issue was, why he didn't want to play for the Flyers. It sounded like he had was excited after he was drafted, said he was born to be a Flyer, um, you know, Told Danny what, and then eventually, you know, told Danny Beery he wanted to be a flyer. Then eventually, what they met after the Worlds last year, and he said he didn't want to be a flyer, and then basically ghosted them. Yeah, what they tried to meet with uh, members, what Patrick Sharp, and who was it at the and John Leclaire, and he just wouldn't wouldn't meet with them, which seems seems like very odd behavior to me. At least have the courtesy be like, hey man, um, you know. I'm, not going to meet with you guys. Like, didn't show up to, you know, bailed on development camp. So definitely a strange situation. I'm all for players. You know, it's weird. I mean, I'm going to the buffet a bit here, Huss. But, it, you know, in the NHL, it's weird. You know, any other job, you get to pick where you live, where you work, who your employer is. In the NHL, you're, you know, you're drafted. Look, not every player is going to be the right fit for the situation you get drafted. So I'm all for players trying to make the most of their one NHL opportunity. But it, it seems like maybe it could have been handled uh, by both sides, but better. But anyways, the trade the trade's done, and it's been exciting drama because what uh, Anthony Sanfilippo went on TV and said this has Kevin Hayes's fingerprints all over it, who just got bought out by the Flyers, and then Kevin. I'm going on and on. Like Kevin Hayes got asked about it today, and I thought his response was actually a parody account. Uh, this is a crazy scenario. Yeah, there there's so much fallout from it. Um. The uh, the I know the spit and chicklets guys who are very tight with the haze. Uh, yes. So maybe they've got a connection with Goche. I mean, Goche did do, do an interview 
previously on a podcast where they asked him what his connection to Philly, and he said, well, you know, the guy, one guy I know uh, that's really sort of been great to me is Kevin Hayes. Took me out golfing. I've talked to him quite often. I mean, it was right there for everyone to see already. And then when Hayes butt brought up, and obviously I don't think he's a very popular figure. They are paying him a lot of money to to beat it and play for the St. Louis Blues. So um, not, not something I thought that we'd be talking about today, but very interesting. And by the way, credit to Doug Phil. <laughs> Doug Phil in chat. The city of brotherly snub. Well done. Well done, Doug. Um, this is a situation, though, that um, you don't expect it to happen to Philadelphia, frankly. And now that we're hearing this report from Elliot Friedman, um, who was just on with Jeff Merrick uh, a little while ago, saying that Philly didn't want to, again, this is from Elliot, um, word is Philly didn't want a bonus overage carrying into this season, so they didn't want to sign Goche at the end of last year. They certainly didn't intend it as any kind of an insult, but things were never the same after this happened. Um, so they weren't able to uh, they weren't able to come over that. And obviously, this kid's uh, you know looking forward to playing in the National Hockey League. Um, now I'm not sure whether he signs right away. He's at BC, I believe. Yeah. Right now, Boston College. So we'll see what this means going forward. Whether he joins the Ducks right now or uh, you know waits till the end of the year. Um, but Philly's not a city that traditionally you would think that guys are dying to get out of before they've even showed up and played a game. Um, one of the the guy, his name escapes me, um, but I believe he was the, either the governor or the chairman, uh, was doing an interview yesterday and was talking about how Gauthier would be treated in Philly. I mean, and they basically just about got up to the J.D. Drew battery treatment right now. Um, the one thing I'll say is that by making this move, I mean, it's a ballsy move when you're not an NHL, you've never played a game in the league. And I think it puts maybe a bit of a target on his back, at least when he's in and around Philly, but also certainly increases the pressure on this young man to, you know, be what the Flyers thought they were getting when they picked him fifth overall. Now in Anaheim, considering the way he sort of forced this trade and the significant cost that the Ducks gave up to get him. Yeah, it seems like, a, you know, this trade is going to work out for both sides. The Ducks getting, a, you know, a forward prospect that can join uh, what Leo Carlson, uh, you know, the rookie defense, Russian defenseman they have as well. So they're building a cupboard of prospects over there. But for Philly, yeah, I mean, this was a guy who they thought was going to be part of their group. And it's just a weird, weird fallout. Uh, so you don't see this too often. And again, respect a player's right to be like, hey, you know, I don't, you know, trying to dictate a situation, but it seems like this wasn't handled, uh, you know, the best way. Um, and then, yeah, for Elliot's tweet, it sounds like, yeah, he wanted to turn pro. I mean, he's at Boston College, so theoretically he could play out his four years and then become a free agent and sign anywhere. But, you know, they were like, he, he wanted to turn pro. Like, well, you know, you know, uh, the bonus overage might put us over the cap. And he was like, well, you guys don't want me to be pro, so I want to go somewhere where... You know, they're actually going to give me a shot to play in the NHL. They said it reminded me of, uh, you know, at, you know, in a regular job when you would ask for, you know, a raise or a promotion. They're like, well, you know, it's a hiring freeze right now. And we can't really. <laughs> Where have we heard that before? We can't really do that. Um, you know, as far as, you know, former Jet Kevin Hayes being involved. Yeah, it was 
Anthony Sanfilippo is a Flyers insider, Flyers reporter. He's been on a legal curve for many, many years. He said he heard that, quote, was the quote, Kevin Hayes' fingerprints were all over it. So Kevin Hayes is getting a lot of hate now. He was, you know, signed by the big contract after playing for the Jets and he got bought out. Listen to this quote from Kevin Hayes. And here's Matthew DeFranks tweeting at. Uh, he's with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch now to be in Dallas. Um, and I thought this quote has, was a parody account. I couldn't believe the language here. So disclaimer, earmuffs. Uh, here's Kevin Hayes. Yeah, I think it's complete bullshit, honestly. I think those two guys acted like complete pieces of shit, to be honest, making shit up. Now I'm going to, going to bed and waking up with death threats and people want my family dead. And that just... Flyer fans that have completely lost it here. And here's Hayes. And people that are happy that my brother's dead. I think it's completely insane that this guy he's talking about, who Anthony, uh, can say something like that. I honestly heard it and started laughing. Like, who the F am I to have influence on if a kid plays for an NHL team or not? I don't have that influence. That's a wild... You don't hear... That unfiltered thoughts from an NHL player to reporter and uh, Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletics saying the same stuff. So this is, I mean, we had last week we had the off ice drama of you know uh, Perfetti versus Hartman, Jets Wild, and now it's uh, what Flyers fans versus Cutter Goche and the Flyers organization and Flyers fans versus Kevin Hayes. This is what this is wild drama. You know, it is, especially involving a former flyer playing for another team that's sort of got to answer for this. Um, But as I mentioned, there was that video beforehand. I'm sure Kevin Hayes is not held in high regard by many people within the flyer organization. Um, And maybe they feel like information that, you know, came from came from Kevin sort of, you know, uh, shall we say, soured him on the opportunity given to him to be a Philadelphia Flyer. Um, the one other thing, R.A. Uh, from Spittin' Chicklets, and again, you can you can draw the lines between all this. Um, Hayes and the Hayes guys were always big Chicklets guys and have good relationships tight with all, uh, you know, Whitney and Biz and, and R.A. Um, so potentially I think the Goche camp probably does as well. The reason they said that he, uh, that he wanted out was quote a rookie GM and coaching style, and I'll be honest. I think a lot of fans sort of get rubbed the wrong way for um, guys kind of deciding that you know uh, oh because a rookie GM is there and you don't like the coaching style, you're gonna all of a sudden demand to be moved. Um, but I guess it's within their rights to do it. He made it happen, but it's gonna be an extra amount of pressure and somewhat of a uh, pretty big target on his back. I think Remus when. Uh, Certainly when he gets to Philly, um, but really throughout the league. I mean, we'd heard this kid's name because he was a top pick and played well at the World Juniors. Now he's the guy that did the reverse Lindros to the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, you know, it does bring up a lot of memories of guys getting drafted and not wanting to play for the team that drafted them. Yeah, Lindros being one. I started Googling the picture of Eli Manning holding a Chargers jersey after he told them. (laughs) But I think that's the difference. Like, Lindros told Quebec... You know, he wasn't going to play for them, and Eli Manning told the Chargers, hey, I'm not going to play for you uh, if you draft me. And Cutter Goche, you know, after he got picked, it was the opposite. So there's going to be a lot of speculation, you know, but uh, Elliot tried to clear the air on the Jeff Merrick show. And interesting situation, as you know, you see players try to get you know, more and more 
uh, rights back and you know see the William Nylander contract from yesterday and an interesting off ice story. You know, two young prospects being traded for each other. Well, I, the one thing I'll say about Philly and all this is that I do love the fact that they, to a man in management, stood up, got in front of a microphone and said, you know what, you don't want to be a flyer, we don't want you. And it, it, in a way, it was maybe a little bit more over the top and more forward, but bringing it back to the Jets, Remus, it reminds me quite a bit about how Rick Bonus made such a point earlier this season when talking about his team, when mentioning every guy we have here in Winnipeg that's in that dressing room wants to be here, wants to be a Winnipeg Jet, and is excited for the opportunity going forward. And, I mean, it was a veiled reference to last season when Dubois played the entire season with one foot out the door. And, of course, Blake Wheeler um, moving on probably in a very different circumstance um, but part of the things that has made this Winnipeg Jets team so successful, I think, is that commitment and really the harmony within the team in the dressing room that we haven't really seen or experienced for a, um, a well for a long time. And I think that's you know leading to all the good vibes around the team and the way the team's playing on the ice, the commitment to each other. That's all sort of coming together in a perfect storm that finds the Jets on top of the uh, man- of the NHL standings right yeah, now. Yeah, and I think you saw that more, more and more with this uh, dad's mentor's trip over the weekend. Um, you know, family that we've mentioned has been a theme, you know, as part of the Jets' runway series. Uh, everyone being all in, I think that certainly helped. What's also helped is, you know, the depth that they have. Rick Bonus spoke about that today. But the Jets, you know, they're feeling good about their play. Everyone's, you know, good in, in the room. Everyone, want, you know, wants to be here. And, and, you know, just the signal that Shafley and Hellbuck re-signing here, those twin extensions, really set the tone for the season and started off as a positive. Not, you know, this time last year was the Jets going to Montreal and what Pierre-Luc Dubois doing his, uh, doing his charity thing and answering a bunch of questions. And, you know, kind of, I don't want to say that torpedoed the season – but, I mean, there's a pretty clear point in January when they were on top of the Western Conference and then it went pretty much straight down. And if you just took the stats, you know, from this point on last year, they would not have been a playoff team. So uh, it's hard not to compare this year to last year, but the Jets are they're a much different team. And, I mean, the domination that they showed last game against the Coyotes, we'll see if they can follow that up here against, you know, not exactly the cream of the crop and opponents in Columbus and Chicago when you uh, look at the standings here. Yeah, um, and you know what, and listen, I mean, I think Mike Kelly's going to come up in just a minute, so I tell you what, we'll have uh, the latest from Bones um, after Mike, I think is probably the way to do it, but it just quickly on the tonight's opponents, um, you've got Adam Fantilli coming in, uh, playing number one center with Johnny Gaudreau, uh, and Cole Sillinger had a hat-trick last week with Chinnikov and Marchenko, some you know, exciting young players, and uh, we all remember Jack Rosovic. Jack's in the middle of that third line along with the uh, rookie and one of their top prospects, Kent Johnson. So uh, we'll have more on that. And, of course, Pascal Vincent as well back as the head coach. I know Pascal's got a lot of fans, myself included, here in Winnipeg after 10 years here in the city. But um, we're going to hook up with uh, with Mike Kelly in just uh, in just a minute. Really looking forward to that. Uh, but i got to give a friends to our uh, – got to shout it to our friends at Manitoba Battery. Big things are going down. Of course, we're finally getting the snow and the temps are a little more seasonal right now, so battery demands higher. 
But the biggest thing going on at Manitoba Batteries, they're excited to announce that next month they'll be opening up a second location in the south end of Winnipeg. Donnie and the gang want to thank all of you for the support along the way. And now for you South Winnipeg folk, you'll be able to get your batteries locally and conveniently from the new location at 452 Dover Court. We'll have sales and grand opening specials for you coming on the way as they get closer. But on behalf of Manitoba Battery, thank you WST fans for making Manitoba Battery part of the WST family. For more information on all your battery needs, go to manitobabattery.com or give them a call at 783 783- 8787. Now, guys, if you need a new look for 2024, get on down to Modern Man Barbershops. Modern Man now has eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Got you covered with haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look and make an appointment over at modernmanbarber.com. And make sure to give them a follow on Instagram as well at Modern Man Barbershops. And uh, hey, uh, just before we uh, get bring in Mike, as I mentioned, there's been plenty of uh, cheersing after Jets games lately. Uh, if you're going to do it, you may as well do it with the best in Canadian whiskey, Canadian club. Right now, pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Marts for all the favorites, including CC Original, CC 100% Rye, and the CC Classic 12-year-old. And while supplies last, the there still are some available of the Canadian Club Invitation Series Limited Release CC 15-Year-Old Sherry Cask, which is the signature CC 12-Year-Old Whiskey finished with the secondary aging and Oloroso Sherry Casks. All the hallmarks of Canadian Club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. Pick it up right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts before it's all gone. And remember, always enjoy responsibly. All right, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, hey, it's fun to talk about the Jets right now with the way they're rolling, but... uh, when we get to pick the big brain of one of our favorites, Mike Kelly, it uh, it's a perfect storm right now, much like this first half of the season's been for the Jets. Mike Kelly of the NHL Network joins us now. Mike, what's going on? Happy New Year. It's great to have you back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, thanks, Andrew. Happy to be back. And uh, I thought I'd just kick the standings up behind me for no particular reason today. Um Jets fans gotta like what you see. You gotta love it. Um, listen, it it's been real fun. Um, and I know. I guess it was after the game on Friday, heading into Saturday, uh, where the Jets were going to be off. But, you know, they got that win to put them into first overall. They had a day off. They were all golfing with their dads and mentors on the trip. And, I mean, I can tell you personally, I probably had 20 people just fire into my text, just a screen cap of, of the standings. This has, has not happened before. And we're approaching the midway point of the season. And this team, night after night, proves that um, – they can hang with anyone and beat anyone. That's exactly what they've been doing for the last couple months. I mean, Mike, from from your perspective, um, how how impressed are you with the Jets? And at what point did you uh, become um, kind of on to the fact that, holy smokes, this isn't just a good team, but this is one of the best in the league, as demonstrated in the NHL standings? Well, like I had some of those thoughts a year ago. Um, like this time a year ago, Winnipeg was well over 600 points percentage. They were fifth in the league uh, and, and they looked really good. And things in the second half really slid for them, right? They went 20 wins, 20 losses, two overtime uh, losses in the last 42 games, played 500 the rest of the way. And the frustrating thing was you're watching them last year and it just seems like they, they got out of the system that works so well for them and how they play. Uh, because they they were a good team. And I, I still thought going into the playoffs, I'm like, 
you know, it would be an upset, but there are always a couple in the first round. I thought Winnipeg could beat Vegas, and they didn't. Um, this iteration of the team, when it does play to its identity, when it is fully invested in the way that, that Rick Bonus and the coaching staff want it to play, they're really hard to beat. Uh, and, and so we're seeing it again, and it's been great. Like, it, towards the end of Paul Maurice's tenure here, the, the Jets, you know, they could score – they gave up a ton of chances, and Hellebuck was a hero, right, to, to try to keep them in games and win them games. You're not seeing that anymore. You're still seeing very good Connor Hellebuck, like really good, but also really good team defense. And you put those two things together, there's no four, five, or six spots against in, what, 29 games in a row now? It's it's crazy. You know, um, you've got a great bit on the fourth line, and we've been talking about them. We'll get to that in a minute. But just preseason going in, you buy out Wheeler, you trade Dubois, bring in Velarde, bring in Ayafalo, bring in Kapari. You know that Nino and uh, when Nemestikov is re-signed, Nino was coming back for another year, has since been re-signed. Like, what were your thoughts on just how how significantly the Jets changed their roster um, as far as the pieces go before we talk about the credit the coaching staff does for uh, deserves for getting what they're getting out of this team night in and night out? Yeah, well, I give a lot of credit to, to Kevin Sheveldayoff and, and the job the front office did because you, they were put in some unenviable positions where, you know, there's leverage that's not to be had just based on the way that some of these things went and the people that left. Um, and, you know, when the return that they got, I thought, for Dubois, like Gabe Velarde was every every year at the NHL Network in the summer, um, we do a sh- an analytics show and I pick a breakout player of the year and I picked Gabe Velarde this year. That was such a good get, I thought, um, he, because he didn't he didn't fit in LA's top six, and he was just somebody. When you look at rates, you know, per twenty have, minutes of ice time, what are they doing? Uh, so good around the net, great hands around the net. You look at where he scores all his goals this year; they're all from the far post, um, and, and he's been you know really really good for them, showing that he can play in the top six, he can play on a top line and be productive. Uh, I have follows a good player, like kind of Swiss army knife type player. Kapari, you mentioned, um, right now, like the, the, those guys collectively, no question are better than what went out. So, and and that's a credit to, to the GM and and the front office for making that happen and getting the right players back. Um, that's helped this team be really well-rounded. Now, and I mean, listen, we've said this over and over again. I was just going through the numbers, and, you know, we've talked about this incredible stretch of, what, now 29 games or something like that where they've given up three or less. If you dive in even more, since the beginning of December, Mike, they've given up three goals once, and yeah. it was a power play goal in overtime. I mean, in regulation, they have not given up three goals in any game dating back to a 3-1 loss to Edmonton, which, ironically... They were up one nothing with five minutes left in the game. Um, like when you watch the Winnipeg Jets, what do you see as far as the style of play and the consistency that they've been able to do the same thing over and over again? And um, you know how much credit does uh, Scott Arneal and head coach Rick Bonus and the rest of the staff deserve with what they're getting out of the Winnipeg Jets night in and night out? Because to me. We've seen the Jets play at a really high level before, but I've never seen a team do this repeatedly over and over and over again. And uh, as I said, it's showing when you look up uh, at the standings. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail there, Andrew, when you talk about the most impressive thing is probably the consistency of it. Like to do that every night, every night um, is remarkable. In an 82-game season, when we're getting into the middle of it right now, right? 
Um, it, it's that's so impressive. Like what they give up. I mean, I read you a couple things. So they're they're leading the league right now in goals against average. They're fifth in expected goals against. So it shows you great goaltending, but also great team defense. Um, they give up the third fewest shots from the slot. They give up the second fewest chances off the rush. They're top 10 in cycle chances against. Like all these meaningful areas where teams can produce offense sustainably at a high rate, they don't give those up. Um, and that that's, you know, that's team. It's not just defense. It's it's certainly not just goaltending. It's forwards too. And, you know, it, it, Paul Maurice was here towards the end. They, they played a little different in their own end. It was more of a man-on-man coverage, and, and it's more of kind of a hybrid uh, zone coverage now. That, uh, you need buy-in from everybody on the ice to make that work. Everybody's got to be on the same page, be connected. And, and they are. Um, so I give them a lot of credit. Um, watch how often this team plays where the camera goes up and down the ice and you see four, if not five guys in the same camera shot. Like they're, they're very connected team that way. So um, again, you you go back to a year ago and at this time a year ago, I'm like, this team playing like this is a Stanley cup contender. And then it dropped. And I don't know why I'm not obviously in the room and I'm I'm not even in the market. Um, Why the players got away from it or, or how it broke down. But if they play this way and, and not even, Every night, like it's there's no way they're going the rest of the year giving up two goals or less or even three goals or less every game. But if they just play this way most of the time and keep it going to the postseason, they've got as good a shot as anybody at winning a cup because they've got they've got the right pieces. Well, and, and, and on top of it, a team that plays the way they're playing with the goalie that they have, and I'll include Loren Brassois. I mean, he didn't yeah. have a great start. Neither did Hellebuck, to be perfectly honest. If you look back at October. Yeah. But, I mean, since then, with a couple very small exceptions, both of these guys have been playing incredibly well, putting up big numbers. But back to your original point, I mean, Hellebuck won the Vesna because the Jets gave him plenty of opportunity night after night to show what an incredible goalie he was because of the chances they were giving up. Like, the netminders of the Winnipeg Jets are benefiting in a big, big way from the way the team's playing in front of them. And uh, the numbers will dictate that as well. Absolutely. Like you brought up to December 1st, right? And I was just looking at this earlier today. Since December 1st, Brassois' numbers, like you get into the advanced stuff, actually slightly better than Hellebuck's. Like he, he's been as as good, right? You could certainly argue that. Good for him. He, he gets the credit for that. But again, we're talking about the, t- the team in front of these guys as well that have really helped their goaltenders. And you know, Hellebuck's talked about how he likes to play a lot. Like he feels best when he's in a rhythm of playing a lot. Um, if that's what works for him. And I talked to him uh, at the All-Star game in, in or sorry, the All-Star game in the uh, at the awards in, in Nashville about this. He said that he he enjoys like he prepares his body to play a lot. And that's what he likes. That's when he feels he's at his best. So if he's going to play a lot and you obviously want him to be rested and feeling good going into the postseason, the next best thing you can do is not have him make 40 saves a night and 30, you know, grade A saves a night. And, and that's what they're doing. So it's um, it, it's everything right now is really good. Also, it's like this has got to be about as good as it can get. Right. The, the Jets are going to go through some kind of funk at some point this year. They're going to lose a couple games in a row and, and it's not the end of the world. Um but if you're a Jets fan, man, the last couple months watching this team, uh, you got every right to say to any other fan base, look, we're right there with you. No, there's no doubt about it. And just back to Helly for a minute. Um, you mentioned how much he likes to play, and there's no doubt about that. 
Um, but you do have to be smart. You need to mm-hmm. get your backup goaltender in there, and Brassois is giving them every reason to have full confidence in playing him. Um, if they can continue somewhat this level of consistency, and I'm with you, the team's going to lose a couple games at some point. Um, what they will avoid, Mike, is the situation they were in at the end of last year where they bottomed out for six to eight weeks, and all of a sudden they went from being a top team to being like scratching and clawing for their playoff lives. And the playoffs basically started for the Jets in March. Yeah, And Hellebuck played the last 13 games of the season until yeah. they finally clinched in Minnesota. The way that this team has played, and frankly what they've earned to this point, should put them in a situation where – uh, they won't be in a desperate run to just to make it, and Hellebuck won't have to play that much. And I, I would imagine, like, this is just my inkling, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, there's different levels of rest. And, the t- like, resting a guy in November, does that matter as much in April? I'm not sure. But giving a guy the proper rest down the stretch in the final 20 games, I would imagine, probably has more of an impact on your readiness for the postseason. Well, I can only reference my career as a peewee B goaltender um, and, and how, you know, I, I, I handled my rest. Um, I, I think you're probably right. I mean, that stands to reason that you'd, you'd be right about that. And it's a great point you bring up about, you know, how they got in last year and how much they had to ride him just to get in. And they were playing hard, hard games for so long. So if you can go in this time around, um, you know, maybe you're still battling for top spot in the division or the conference or the league or whatever, and it's meaningful still, but you know that you can cut those games up and, and uh, not have to scratch and claw, like you said. That's that's great. And the other thing, too, is like when you get – you look at the standings, so like the top three in the Central, the top three in the Pacific are all really good teams. And there's going to be another team, I think, in the Pacific, whether it's Vancouver, Vegas, LA, Edmonton. Like one of those teams is not finishing top three. That is a very good team. When you get to that last wild card spot, you're talking about Nashville, St. Louis, Seattle, Arizona – Calgary, whatever, um, that's a favorable matchup compared to the rest of it if you can win your division and win the conference. So there, there is still stuff to play for, obviously, and, and the Jets, it's not going to be a cakewalk for them to, to be the best team in the West. Um, but, man, that's uh, that's what I'm interested to see now. Like, we saw them do something not quite as good, but similar to this to this point last year. Can they maintain that going forward here? But uh, a lot to like. Well, um, and you know, one of the other things that's fascinating about this team, you know, is that, you know, for a while, like, you know, Kyle Connor goes out, Velarde moves up to that line, and they become the hottest line in the league and go on an absolute tear for five or six games. Well, they went through a funk for about four games where they weren't scoring. And all of a sudden, it's Perfetti, and it's Ayafalo, and it's Adam Lowry. But Mike, and you put this out, by the way, give Mike a follow at Mike Kelly NHL, and you can see this graphic for yourself. The fourth line has been phenomenal. And mm-hmm. Dominic Toninato and Axel Janssen Fialbi both were Manitoba Moose to start the year. I mean, they're here right now because David Gustafson got hurt and Rasmus Kapari got hurt. Um, you sort of laid out the numbers, but just how good has this Baron Toninato Janssen Fialbi line been um, by the numbers? Because they've certainly looked good from the eye test. Yeah, they've been exceptional. There, there you go. So um, this is, you know, in the minutes they played together, obviously Ton and Otto comes up uh, just after Christmas, and, and that's been the fourth line. I'll give credit, though, because, you know, Barron and, and Johnson Fialbi before, like the fourth line before was was good. Um, th- this is having stuff. a great season, too. 
Yeah, for sure. Th this is next level stuff when you look at, like to give you some context on this, and again, it's 46 minutes, right? Like let's see after 100, 200, whatever. It, it's a bit of a small sample, but a really good line is going to have an expected goals percentage of about 60%, maybe 65, like over the course of a whole year. To be at 88%, even in the small sample, that's all we can judge them on, um, is, is exceptional. And look at the inner slot shots. Like the their opponents don't have one in 46 minutes. Forget what you do offensively. Like if the goal said zero and the inner slot shots for Winnipeg's line here said zero, to have zeros on the other side for a fourth line in 46 minutes, that's a win. I, I can't think of a coach that wouldn't take that. Um, the fact that they're doing it offensively as well is uh, just adds to it. Um, I mean, I mean, man, you can't play much better than that in, in the handful of games they've been together at this point. Well, and it's funny. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of compare that to, you know, the Jet defense core. And, I mean, that was an area that I think most people looked at this team and said, well, if they need to improve, they're pretty deep at forward. They've got great goaltending. But is the defense good enough? And I'm sure the way that the team has played together has a big, big part in this. But, I mean, I was looking at the defensive metrics for goals against – and Dylan Sandberg and Nate Schmidt, the Jets' third pair, obviously being used in third-pairing minutes, has been at the top of that list literally all season long. And all yeah. of a sudden, Brendan Dillon and Neil Pionk's group is now into the top 10 is there. And we certainly know what the Morrissey and DeMello um, pairing has done so far this season. Like, all of a sudden, the Jet Blue Liners are getting some pretty impressive numbers and uh, it's all part of a bigger package where the sum truly is greater than the parts. Yeah, no question. Uh, the, like the, the top pairing and the second pair kind of eat somewhat comparable um, strength of opposition. Uh, and the top pairing has been, been really, really good. Second pair um, Dylan and Pionk have been you know, pretty good. And, and you're right, that third pair, again, they're not getting the heavy lifting, but they're a third pair. Who cares? Uh, they've been outstanding in the minutes that they've had. Like we've seen the fourth line recently has been outstanding in the minutes that they've had. We know about Winnipeg's, you know, I'd say top D pair and their top six, put them up against just about anybody. Then you start to get what we're seeing from the depth, like, like we've shown in the last couple minutes here. That's it's a great recipe, but um, well, I'm with you. When you look at that blue line on paper, you think like, okay, like should be all right, but not, you know, unbelievable. Uh, again, that's where you give them credit for how well they play, but also to the team as a whole for the way that the forwards help the defense in, in defending, uh, the way that they play as a group, uh, the way that the goaltenders will clean up any breakdowns that are happening. Like it's just all connected to each other, um, which is great because I think if you have a line that goes cold, like you mentioned for a little bit, you can move guys around. If you have a deep pairing that goes cold, you got so many other areas where you can pick it up. You're not reliant on, a line or a D pairing or a goalie to save your butt, you know, night in and night out. By the way, you got a great crowd in here, folks. If you're new, welcome to a Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're here every day live on YouTube at 1. You can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite pods. Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk and subscribe. And if you're with us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and make sure to give a thumbs up. You know, Mike, at this point now, um, and it's not something we're used to here in Winnipeg, we're clicking on the league standings when you're going to it and seeing where everything's at. And obviously, you know, you got the teams that you expected to be there, Boston and Colorado and New York. But I wanted to ask you about the Canucks. I mean, I watched that game last night, and, I mean, <laughs> they gave it to the New York Rangers on the road in MSG. Um, they're right behind the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to the overall standings. 
How are the Canucks doing it? And um, maybe speak to the rush chances because I was going through that stat that you put out and it just seems like they're in a whole nother stratosphere than the rest of the league with what they're doing when they come in with speed. They are. Um, They rank 30th in the league at producing scoring chances off the rush. They are first in the league at scoring goals off the rush. Tells you that they score at a really high rate. Um, now, when I do this kind of work, you look at, okay, 22.5% of their rush chances they are scoring on this year. That is an absurd number. The next best team in the league is just over 13%. League average is 11. They're at 22.4. So they were at 26 after the first month of the season. And my first reaction was, okay, they're the highest scoring team in the league. They're scoring on over a quarter of their rush chances. This is going to come back down to earth. I guess it has. But not much. And we're halfway through the year now. So, you know, the data analyst in me says that there's no way you can maintain this. Like, let's say you're significantly better than average. You are 17%. That's a big drop. Um, They're still hanging around over 22. So, God, is there an element of, you know, this is repeatable? Like, the, the next layer beyond that is, well, every rush chance isn't the same. Maybe those are more dangerous. Maybe they're odd mans. Maybe they're breakaways. Uh, Fair point. You look at expected goal value of their rush chances. They're third in the league, but about 11.5%, though. They, they should be scoring at a really high rate about half as much as they are. So um, there's something to it. Uh, they've got good players. Like I know you might be watching this saying, well, they got Pedersen and Besser and Miller and all these guys that can score off the rush. And they do. Um, but nobody does it to this rate over 40 games, but they have. So I give them credit. Like they, the way that they defend, they counterattack well. Uh, they're a really good defensive team. They're they're top ten in goals against, top ten in expected goals against. Um, I'm buying more than I'm I'm selling in terms of Canucks stock right now. Uh, but that is the one area that really jumps off the page, though. Is like it's incredible. This team gets a, an opportunity off the rush. One out of every four times, almost it's going in. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> Well, and, 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 you know, I sort of bring it up because both Winnipeg and Vancouver have surprised some people and they're both in a pretty lofty spot in the standings. I mean, the Jets have been doing it, you know, with a foundation of dominating five-on-five play and great defensive metrics. You mentioned the Canucks have been pretty good defensively. When you you look at both of these teams, and I mean, they're basically right, I mean, they're separated by one point. The Jets can maybe be three ahead if they get this win tonight, both in 40 games. When you look at both, and if you had to project the rest of the season – who are you buying more, Vancouver or Winnipeg, based on the first half of the season to be able to continue doing what they've done so far to this point? Look, that's that's a good one. Um, I, I'm, I'd be more comfortable saying Winnipeg, uh, mainly because I'm on Winnipeg Sports Talk, uh, and I will pander <laughs> to my audience. Smart man. Um, but like, I, I would give Winnipeg the narrowest of margins with that. Like. I love these two teams because they're very similar in a lot of ways. Um, and I would love a playoff series between these two teams. Great goaltenders on both sides. Guys that are probably going to certainly be top five, if not top three in the Vesna conversation. Um, a defensive structure that's really good, that leads to offensive opportunities. Uh, really well coached. They play their systems really, really effectively and well. And you can tell that they're held to a high standard to do that a lot of similarities in that sense. So like there's not, sometimes there's an obvious answer to me when it's two teams that are similar because I can pick one apart in more ways than the other. Um, I give, I guess I'd give Winnipeg the smallest of, of edges there though. 
You know, it, it, uh, it it's funny, and you kind of made a great point. I mean, when we're looking at the conference standings, assuming that the Oilers are going to keep rolling, we know how good the three teams in the top of the Pacific are, and let's just give one of those four teams the first wildcard spot. The team that wins the conference is going to be, you'd far rather be the top division winner and playing the eight seed than playing one of those teams in the uh, in the Pacific. The yep. one team that was at the top beforehand that I just wanted to ask you on the way out that has really sort of struggled lately is the Vegas Golden Knights at three and seven. I mean, uh, what's happening with the champs right now? And um, why aren't they winning more hockey games? Well, I mean, I, I doubt the team will use it as an excuse, but I will. Like, they've had some significant injuries. I mean, Shea Theodore being out as long as he has. Aiden Hill was playing at a Vezina level and, until he was injured. Um, they've they've given up more as a result. Uh, and, and, you know, when you don't have Aiden Hill there playing the way that he was, you're going to allow more, too. So that that stings a little bit. They, they've missed some really key guys, I think, is the biggest thing. Um and, you know, it's, it's hard to maintain the level. Like the level they were at to start the year was unbelievable considering what they came off just doing and winning the Stanley Cup. Um, and we're not used to seeing them being really anything other than dominant. So I, I haven't lost faith in them by any means. Like I still think they're going to be a, a really formidable team down the stretch, you know, uh, playoffs as well. But those, those are the things I'd point to is first and foremost, I guess, is um, missing key players uh, and having a bit more trouble defending and kind of playing that identity that they have as a result. Mike, uh, we always love having you on the program. These conversations are so great. Uh, fill people in on where they can find you uh, on the NHL Network, hopefully pumping the tires of the number one team in the NHL. I will be, of course. Um, yeah, the I don't know what we're calling now. X, Twitter, Twitter.com. Uh, Mike Kelly, NHL, like you said, so thank you for that. And uh, yeah, NHL Network. If you're if you're able to see it, um, I'll be on tonight at ten o'clock talking about all the games going on and wrapping up. So um, that's where you can check me out. Yeah, we'll see whether the Jets can keep on two goals or less. The uh, the, the road uh, the grind keeps on not rolling. Columbus tonight, and then the Blackhawks on uh, Thursday, and that will be the forty-one game mark, the official halfway point to the season. Mike, thanks again for doing this. Can't wait to have another chat with you later on in 2024. Be well. Sounds great. You too. And uh, the the 35 games is what I'll be watching because I, I think it's 29 right now, right? That they've done three yeah. or less goals. 35 was Minnesota in 2015. Um, and since expansion in 67, that's the longest streak. When you get back into the 20s and stuff, it's longer. But all those games were 2-1, nothing. So that doesn't count anyway. So. 35 games would be the modern-day record if Winnipeg can get there. <laughs> well, one more chance to uh, keep on extending the streak tonight against Seabus. Thanks for doing this, Mike. Thanks for having me. Great stuff. There is Mike Kelly. Make sure to give him a follow. And if uh, you do have access to NHL Network, nobody does it better than our pal Mike Kelly, at Mike Kelly NHL. And he's got those numbers on the Jets' fourth line that, I mean, are jaw-dropping, to be perfectly honest. I mean, an 88% um expected goals share pretty crazy with what that line's doing and uh, you know kind of further to that we've got some news and if you're with us on chat you saw Rivas put it up um the Jets have activated Rasmus Kapari from IR and he has been sent to the Manitoba Moose for conditioning purposes so uh, that was something he was going to have to um accept which he obviously has done He'll try and get back into uh, game shape and be uh, ready to help the team when he is called upon. Still waiting, and we'll maybe talk to Mike about this, as to 
when a similar move happens with Vili Hainala, who apparently is getting close. Um, all right, Mike McIntyre is going to come up with us in just a few minutes. We will still have Rick Bonus and potentially Mark Shifley and a little bit more from the uh, from the room. But <clears throat> as I mentioned right off the top of the show, gang, uh, listen, I know there's been a lot of talk about attendance early on in the season, and it was driving me nuts to uh, have uh, wild fans come in the mentions, and the only shot they have at us right now is the fact that we haven't been filling the building. Um, if you've been on the fence, if you've been waiting to see what sort of product this team is going to be, I think we know now. We just had a great conversation with Mike about it. Um, and it would be great to see this building full because this team absolutely deserves it. They've got some great ticket deals for these Tuesday games. If you don't have plans, I know it's January and it's cold out, uh, but it'll be warm inside Canada Life Center. And uh, you'll have the opportunity to see the number one team in the NHL. Pretty simple as that, regardless of who's coming to town. Tonight, it's Columbus. Uh, a, already a big crowd expected for Chicago. I think we know that those were a lot of advanced sales for people to come and see Connor Bedard. Unfortunately, he will not be in the lineup. But a Saturday night game against the Philadelphia Flyers, there's good tickets available for that one. And then a week today against the New York Islanders uh, before the team hits the road and then comes back for that big Saturday night game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Get to winnipegjets.com slash tickets. And let's see a few more butts in the seats for these games tonight. And uh, Remo and I will be there, hopefully, we will see you then. I do have to thank our friends at Wallace and Wallace for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. It is a new year and another year of being Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist, doing it since 1946 for residential and commercial customers. And listen, right now is the most stressful time in the year for your overhead garage door. Um, listen, we've been giving you a lot of ups and downs, getting you everywhere you want in the summer and into the fall. But as we know, winter puts much more stress on a garage door, and it's about to look work a whole lot harder now. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Give Wallace & Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace & Wallace. And uh, hey, speaking of looking good for the new year, Guys, if uh, you need to up your menswear game or uh, looking ahead to uh, the spring and, of course, summer, wedding season and all that, get on down and uh, see our pals Andrew, Alex, and the team at F Apparel, Winnipeg's number one spot for menswear, featuring custom suits made to fit, looking great, starting at just 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles and the biggest and best selection of menswear accessories in town. And by the way, I mentioned weddings coming up. New Year, if you are getting hitched this year or in a wedding party, talk to the gang at F Apparel about uh, having the fellas get suited up at F. Everyone will get a 15% discount for wedding parties at F Apparel. They're at 190 Smith Street, downtown. Find out more online or make an appointment to come in and see them at F. That's E-P-H Apparel. Dot com. All right. I know we've just had a great segment with Rick Bo uh, with uh, Mike Kelly. We do have bones for you. We'll get to all of that before the end of the program. But let's head down to the rink right now and uh, welcome in our pal Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press, who is at rinkside. Mike, what's up? Us. How are you? Good to be here. Good to be home, right? Uh, just haven't had a whole lot of home cooking here for a while with, what, two straight one-game homestand so it's nice to have four 
four straight uh, on tap here at the downtown barn. And I know you've been in the building, huh? Safe to say the environment here at Canada Life Centre in recent games, uh, you go back to that Boston game right before Christmas, and then, of course, the two games after uh, after Christmas uh, against Minnesota and even Tampa Bay last week. Just great environments, uh, the biggest crowds of the year. We've seen the crowds grow and it'll be interesting to see if they can keep that up. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's felt a little like the old, uh, the good old days, if you will, when it comes to the environment here in the rink. And uh, the Jets are certainly playing, well, really, they haven't had a stretch like this, I think, other than maybe 2017-18. Um, so they're creating some 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 pretty good current days, uh, this club. But uh, yeah, it's been nice to kind of hear the building come alive. Uh, it's pretty quiet right now as they're uh, cleaning the glass and getting things ready following the morning skates. But it should be buzzing uh, in a few hours from now. Well, for sure. And listen, just on that note, and I mean, we'll kind of dive into the team. But I mean, we know this team uh, hemorrhaged season tickets over the course of the last yep. offseason. And that unfortunately was there for everybody to see earlier on. Um, you know, having, you know, worked on that side of the business for a long time, when you lose those season tickets, it puts you behind the eight ball and you are needing to sell far more individual tickets and walk-up tickets for other games. And the bottom line is, it's a long season. There's a lot of games. The urgency to get to that Tuesday game in November usually isn't there. And I will say this, I mean, of the upcoming part of the schedule, these Tuesday games tonight and next week against the Islanders, I think are going to be the biggest and most challenging for the Jets, the, the ones that weren't there. Um, obviously, they had the nice benefit of expecting Connor Bedard to be there on Thursday. Um, so it should be a good crowd. And, you know, I think the Saturday crowd, from what I looked at, you know, there's still some room for improvement, but uh, I would be surprised if that wasn't a really great one. Um, but I will mention, you know, if people are thinking about, geez, I got to get out to a game. They've got some great deals on Tuesdays right now, and, and these are the games that they really do need to work on. And just from, from my side, having made a lot of phone calls to Winnipeg businesses over the course of my life, hawking tickets and sponsorships back in the day for the Jets and the Moose, I will tell you that this is the perfect storm, hopefully, to basically reverse what's happened over the last couple seasons. And I have no idea what's happening at the offices right now, but I really hope that there is a concerted effort to reconnect with Winnipeg businesses right now and get them on board, get them into season tickets for the rest of the year, book your playoff seats. Um, because Mike, as we've talked about it, the team is doing absolutely everything it can to take out any sliver of doubt amongst Winnipeg jet fans. And, uh, they just keep on rolling heading into tonight. Uh, it certainly isn't the product on the ice. No, it's not. And, you know, I think the most impressive thing for me, Haas, is is looking at this team. There's been games recently, and I'll look at this, this road trip, the three-game trip, where you think, okay, not just maybe the Jets of old, but really any hockey team, there was an opportunity to maybe take the foot off the gas for a number of reasons. Uh, the Jets just had a stretch. They played six games in nine nights. Uh, there was a lot of travel involved. As mentioned, they've had these one-game homestands. They were they were home against Mini, then they were in Mini, then they were home against Tampa, then it was two time zones over to the West Coast. Um, you could argue that the team should have been satisfied. You know, they, they won going into Sunday night in, in Arizona. They had won the first five, five wins in eight days. 
Um, you know, we, we've seen that happen. It's a tendency. You get comfortable. You get maybe a little complacent. You get fat, right? Um, and, and so fatigue and, and comfortability um, and just all these factors, you know, they're facing an Arizona team. that They weren't happy with their previous two games. They had been blown out of their own building two straight. They're fighting for a playoff spot. So I look at Sunday's game. To me, it was a statement game by the Jets. They had every reason to just, you know, maybe ease up a little bit, not look as sharp as they had. And what did they do? They go in and they absolutely dummy the Coyotes. Like they were so much better in every facet. Uh, And to me, that just speaks volumes about not only the level of play of this team, but also the maturity of this group and, you know, the, the standard that's been set um, that, that they're holding each other to. And it's a very high standard. And, you know, I know a lot of people in this market are naturally, you know, got a little PTSD with the Jets going well because we've seen them go well in, in recent years. I would argue never to this degree. The Jets have never been first overall by themselves in the NHL. That's where they are right now. And if there's any concerns about maybe how this team might navigate having a huge target on their backs, because when you're number one, Huss, every other team now knows nobody's taking the Jets lightly anymore. Nobody's playing their backup goaltender or, you know, thinking that a, that a half-assed effort is going to get the job done. The Jets are seeing the best. And so far from what we've seen, this Jets team is very much up for the, the, ta- the challenge. You know, it, it, and it's it's funny. I mean, talking with some some people behind the scenes, just how businesslike this club is and how they expect yeah. to do it night after night. And listen, longtime listeners know it was a complete pet peeve of mind um, of Paul Maurice. You know, the team would be going out on a road trip and he would roll the excuses out before the team even got on the plane. And at times, Mike, it ended up being somewhat of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And sure. It is an absolute 180 right now, and it's been that way from the first day of training camp with Rick Bonus, that this team doesn't make excuses, even when there are plenty that could conceivably be put forth. Um, and and that, to be honest, maybe more than anything, that way of thinking right from the top that you see throughout the lineup is the um, is the backbone of a team that seemingly looks the same and gives that same top-notch effort and plays within the system night in and night out, and the results have followed. Yeah, I don't know if you've played any of the audio from Rick Bonus's morning skate availability, Huss, but I I asked him a couple questions this morning about, you know, being satisfied with where this team is at right now, being number one and being kind of the hunted as opposed to the hunters. And I thought Rick Bonus's answers, you know, it's it's exactly what you'd want a coach to say. I don't know if if every coach in the league would have answered it the way he did. He flat out said, we haven't done anything yet. And, and said, you know, this team, this isn't a team that's just content to be competitive or to sneak in as a wild card. Like, they know what they have. And they, they know they have something pretty special going on right now. But I get absolutely no sense at all that they are satisfied or complacent or taking anything for granted and I think in some ways Haas maybe the the fact that they've had some strong starts in recent years and they know what ended up happening how they kind of frittered that away and that you have still a lot of the same core here um, I, I think there's probably been some hard lessons learned 
And that's a very good thing when you look at uh, the road ahead and what this Jets team ultimately hopes to accomplish. You know, uh, we're going to get to that uh, Rick Bonus audio afterwards. Um, just quickly on coaches for a minute. Did you make it over to the visitor side of things? How was, uh, how was our old pal Pascal doing? I mean, oh, was- he got the job in such a strange uh, set of circumstances. Um, didn't have a lot of time to plan for it. And obviously is not working with the roster that might be amongst the league's best. But uh, yeah. how, is, how is Pascal coming back to a place that he called home for 10 years? It was fan. I, I did catch up with him. It was fantastic to chat with him. Just a, a great human being, um, and it's it's one of the reasons I'm still at the rink here, Huss. I normally on game days come down, then I like to go home for a few hours. Uh, but it was a, a longer than usual morning here because spent a lot of time ch- chatting with Pascal. Also talked to Jack Roslovic about Pascal. He's of course Jack Roslovic. Seen Pascal Vincent, the uh, moose. Head coach Pascal Vincent, the Jets assistant coach Pascal Vincent, the Blue Jackets assistant, and now Pascal Vincent, the Blue Jackets head coach. Talked to Mason Appleton uh, also uh, about Pascal Vincent, and he he had just all kinds of glowing remarks. And we had to wait a bit to get Pascal today, Huss, because he was actually uh, he was having a long chat with Mark Chipman this morning. Um, and I, obviously that relationship, you know, 10 years with True North uh, goes back. And and Pascal Vincent, I mean, first of all, he he spoke so highly of his time. He said, this is home. This arena, he said, was my home for 10 years. He talked about his daughter, how Winnipeg is still home for her. or She regards Winnipeg as home. She's 13 now, has spent most of her life in this city. Um but also he touched upon the Jets and how he's not all that surprised that this group is where it is that, you know, he, he's alluded to some, some maturing that had to happen, some, some growing pains, if you will. Um, and so there's a real sense of pride, even from Pascal Vincent now to see this Jets group where they are. And, and for good reason, Huss, he's got his fingerprints over quite a few of these players, you know, who developed under his watch, everyone from, you know, Connor Hellebuck and Josh Morrissey to Mason Appleton, uh, David Gustafson, um, you know, Logan Stanley, Declan Chisholm. There's a whole bunch of guys that played for Pascal. So, yeah, I've got a, a nice story that I'll be writing uh, today on on his return. Obviously, he's been back in Winnipeg as the assistant with the Blue Jackets over the last two years. This will be his first time ever in this building, though, as a head coach. And, uh you know, he, he's very much looking forward to it. And it sounds like a lot of Jets players are looking forward to catching up with him as well. Yeah, unfortunately, no Patrick Liney, who uh, remains nope. on the IR. And he's had, uh, you know, a terrible run of luck. And you know, it's co- sort of sad to see where he's at personally right now with that club. Um, Jack Rosovic, though, uh, back in the lineup tonight in the uh, third line center role along with Kent Johnson. Be interesting to see those guys. But, you know, Remus just had a bunch of stats up from uh, the club uh, overall this year. And the one thing I'm sure Pascal is most envious of is the defensive record of uh, the Winnipeg Jets, who are best in the league at 2.38. And, I mean, a huge problem with Columbus keeping the puck out of their own net at over three and a half goals against per game. Yeah, and they one of the things about Columbus that's really interesting, Haas, if if hockey were a 40-minute game, not a 60-minute game, the Blue Jackets would be in much better position. They have they have imploded so many times in the third period. Like, and and I talked to Pascal a little bit about that, and it just speaks to the youth and and the growing pains. You know, they're injury ravaged for sure. The Blue Jackets, um, 
So they've been very inconsistent, but they've actually been a pretty good two-period hockey team. Unfortunately for the Blue Jackets, hockey is a three-period game, and the third period, you know, they've let a ton of leads slip and a lot of points. Uh, and this was supposed to be a year where the Blue Jackets, you know, they, they were supposed to be competitive, uh, certainly in, a, in the hunt for a playoff spot. They're now in the hunt for, you know, the first overall draft pick, potentially, if things keep going the way they are. That being said, um, you know, I don't expect the Jets are taking them lightly at all, uh, just as the Jets haven't taken anyone lightly uh, in recent games here, even as the schedule on paper has maybe lightened up. I don't think it's lost on the Jets that their one regulation loss in the last 17 games, is, as crazy as that sounds, uh, was against the San Jose Sharks. And in fact, the two other games that they didn't win in those 17 were against the Chicago Blackhawks and the Montreal Canadiens, who they lost in, in extra time to. So um, the Jets are, aren't taking anyone lightly. That, that said, you know, on paper, this would certainly look like a mismatch. And to go back to what you said a while ago, Huss, if Paul Maurice were still here, I, I suspect we'd be hearing things like, you know, him warning against the coming back after a long Western road trip. Um, you know, the, the potential trap game, if you will, after that road trip. Of course, we didn't hear any of that talk from uh, from the Jets this morning. No, and, and, and you know, Mike, just speaking about that defensive record, and we just had Mike Kelly on talking about the historic run, now 29 games with three goals yeah. or less. It's been since that crazy game against the Oilers at the end of November, where the Jets were up one nothing with five minutes left, if you recall, right. that they've given up three goals in regulation. Yeah. The only time any team scored three against them since the beginning of December was that overtime loss to the Montreal Canadiens where the Habs scored a power play goal in, <laughs> you know, at four on three in the extra frame. Um, as incredible, <laughs> as incredible as the three goal stat is, two is you're right. I think the two is even more incredible that they're on right now. It is. And again, you look at the one game they lost, Huss, in 17 in regulation, uh, was a 2-1 loss. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they are just so dialed in. And, you know, it's why if you're the Jets and you've got, again, to go back to something we've talked about, a storyline all year, you know, you've got Logan Stanley and Declan Chisholm kind of just waiting around. Um, and, and we were seeing a rotation earlier in the season but if you're the Jets and everybody's healthy, like you're not touching the back end. You're not taking Nate Schmidt out again because he's been so good with Dylan Sandberg. I mean, all the defense pairs. And and even if you're talking about a guy like Rasmus Kapari, who Rick, Rick Bonus told us this morning is pretty much game ready. How is Rasmus Kapari getting back in this lineup right now when the fourth line is going as well as it has? Um, you know, I, I think at this point, you're just rolling the same roster night after night after night, as long as health allows it. The only changes is you're, you're flip-flopping occasionally on your goaltender. Uh, but yeah, the Jets have just been remarkably consistent. And when you're only giving up basically two goals a night for more than a month, um, and you've got the kind of firepower, it, it's why the Jets, despite having a power play that's doing really very little, the Jets just keep rolling and, you know, because they only have to score usually three goals. That's the magic number. If they score three, they're probably winning the game uh, based on what they're giving up, which is very little. 
Um, you know, you mentioned Kapari. Um, let's talk a little bit about the potential returnees. Like M Mike Kelly just came on with us, and he he's got this at his Twitter feed. We were just talking about it about twenty minutes ago. The Baron Toninato Janssen Fialbi line has forty six minutes of ice time together, twenty three scoring chances for seven against, nine inner slot shots for zero against. An expected goals percentage of 88, which is an absolutely insane number. They've scored four. They've allowed zero. I thought David Gustafson was having a monster year and having a huge part of the success of that of that line. Axel, to me, since called up, has just established himself as a regular. Dominic Toninato has been everything they could have asked for and more and actually scoring as well. So Kapari goes to the Moose on a conditioning stint. Gus is going to be back soon. We may as well add in Vili Hainala, who's very close to being activated as well. How do you see all this shaking out just over the next couple of weeks, Mike, with uh, with where these player go, players go? I'd imagine there will be some conditioning at the Moose for at least Vili, and obviously we know that's happening with Kapari. Yeah, I think with Vili... You know, the thing they can do with him, Huss, they don't have to call it a conditioning stint uh, and, and they wouldn't want to because, you know, go back to when they sent Declan Chisholm on that conditioning stint. There's certain rules in the NHL. One of those is that you still have to count that player. Even if he's on a conditioning stint, he's still counting towards your 23-man roster and his cap hit is still counting. Billy, Billy doesn't need waivers. They don't have to worry about, you know, the, the semantics of sending him to the moose. They can just assign him to the Manitoba moose without waivers, and I suspect that's what they're going to do. Let's not forget the kind of injury that he's coming back from, a broken ankle. That's not an injury, Huss, where, and I get that he's been skating and you can practice and all that. There's no way you're just coming off a broken ankle and being thrust into the second half of an NHL season, let alone on the number one team in the NHL that, as you just mentioned, is putting up historic numbers when it comes to their defensive prowess, as much as I know a lot of fans want to see Billy Hanela, and you know what? They would have seen him had he not broken his ankle. That was then, this is now. Um, so I suspect Billy's going to go to the Moose, which will be very good for him. He'll get he'll get to play a lot. He'll provide a boost to the Moose. Sounds like they could use it. They're having some injury issues and some problems moving the puck and scoring. And I do wonder, Haas, if the Jets remain healthy here and... You know, you hope that that is the case for the hockey club. If they remain healthy on the back end, Billy may have to wait until the rosters expand, which, you know, that happens after the trade deadline. And 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 then you can kind of go crazy, if you will, in terms of uh, roster size. Like, I, I just don't see an immediate opening here. And the last thing Billy Hanela needs is to be the seventh or eighth defenseman right now on the Jets and sit in the press. He needs to play because he hasn't played since he broke his ankle in October. Uh, as for Rasmus, yeah, I mean, they, they'll do the conditioning stint. And, you know, again, he may, though, have to get uh, wait his time. And same with David Gustafson. As you mentioned about that fourth line, Huss, like, it's not like they've just used the same three players all year on the fourth line. And I think that speaks, again, to the buy-in, the collective buy-in, and the structure and the system that's in place. They can interchange different parts of that line. But if everybody knows what, their role is and how they're supposed to play and what it's supposed to look like the end result is 
a fourth line that it wasn't plan A, B, or even C, given the injuries they've had. Uh, but right now, that fourth line is doing everything you could ask for, and then some. And, you know, it's it's a big reason the Jets are where they are. It's funny, talking to Jack Rosovic this morning, we were reminiscing a bit about the 17-18 club. And, you know, Jack actually asked me, he's like, he was asking for comparisons this year's team versus 17-18. And one of the things Jack Rosovic said is, is, from what he's noticed, the way they use their fourth line here is a little bit different than what the Jets were doing. <laughs> Funny Jets. he noticed that, Mike. He did notice that, and, and <laughs> he, hoped he was part of that fourth line uh, back in 17-18. Um, you know, so that, that speaks to the trust Rick Bonus clearly has. You see Dominic Toninato out there in the last minute defending a lead, drop blocks, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the, I think everybody in this organization, and this would include the guys on the moose right now, they see what's happening with the big club. They know that if they get the call, there's going to be a very high expectation of what they what they are expected to do and how they're expected to look. And, and so that structure and system and discipline that's in place, it's impressive. And it's why the Jets have managed to, to get to this point where they are. You know, um, I just want to touch on Philly for a minute um, because, I mean, obviously we know it really sucked. I mean, he got fed a bleep sandwich uh, with that injury when he did after, I mean, apparently it looked like by all accounts was going to be in the starting lineup in the opening game of the season, Mike. I think Rick, I think <clears throat> Rick has actually said, Rick Bonus has flat out said that was the plan. He would have been in the opening night lineup. Um, so you're exactly right. That was then, this is now, and we've seen what's happened over the first half of the season. As difficult as this is for a young player to, you know, once again have to wait, I would imagine that considering how much he's been with the club, been around the team over the course of the last little bit, and seeing what's happening night in and night out with the club, the way the blue line's playing, the way the team is performing overall, as much of a bitter pill it is to swallow with what happened early on in the current situation that he's in, I would think that um, even for a young player, it's probably a little easier to understand the situation that you're in when you've been around a team that's been playing the way the Winnipeg Jets have and and knowing that you know, he is still a very big part of this team um, and certainly will be at some point when the call-ups are there. Absolutely agreed. And, you know, Billy was on the, the recent dad's trip and he had his dad with him. So he, he's been around the group. This is not, it's not like he's been uh, on the outside looking and he knows what's going on. He's around these players and, he, you know, as good as the, the vibes are around the team, as good as the feeling is, he, he'd be feeling that as well. And, and I think Huss, you know, and you hear it from the players and more importantly, I think you see it in their style of play, that it's not just, um, you know, talk is cheap and teams will often say, oh, there's no room for egos. It's, you know, all for one, one for all. A lot of players and teams say that. And then what you actually see play out is very different. I think the proof is in the pudding of what this Jets team is doing, uh, how unselfish they're being in really all facets of their game. And I think that would extend to the guys that right now are not in the lineup. Um, it's, it'd be an entirely different story if things weren't going well and you had players, you know, thinking, well, I'm better than that guy and I could help the team more than that guy is. Why, why aren't I playing? 
that's obviously not the situation here. Uh, I think right now everybody has put whatever personal um, ambition or, or personal goals they might have or feelings, um, and, and they're looking at the big picture here, and everybody has a vision of where they'd like to go. And this is a hockey team, Huss, that right now not only believes it could be playing hockey well into the spring, but I think almost now expects that they're going to be playing hockey well into the spring. And why wouldn't they feel that way, given where they are? Pushing 700 in the chat. Another great day on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hit that sub button if you haven't already, and uh, make sure to give a thumbs up. Mike, when I look at the schedule going ahead, and you mentioned how busy this team has been yeah. over the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, it's still a busy week. They go Tuesday. They go Thursday. They go Saturday. And then finally, a little bit of a break. Two days off before the Islander game a week today and then three days off before they hit the road and play an afternoon game against the Ottawa Senators. Um, How do you see the goaltending starts going for this homestand? I would be surprised if Lauren Brassois doesn't start on Thursday night against Chicago. I I, I think, without question, Huss, Brassois is going to get a game in these next three. We know he's not playing tonight, so I think he's getting one of the next two. Um, and I think he's probably going to get the game on Thursday. And to me, that would be the perfect spot. Um, you know, he last played, what, last Friday uh, on the second half of that back-to-back. So you get him in on Thursday. Uh, so that's six days between games. Um, and you don't want him to go probably much longer than that. It also gives Connor Hellebuck another breather in what's been a busy stretch for him. I know that they played six and nine he played four of those nine, but still that's a lot of hockey. Uh, this will be his what fifth game in 11 nights tonight. Um, and you know, I just think Lauren Bessois, the way he's playing, he's not giving you a reason to not play him a lot. And, and so Rick bonus actually did say, I know you said you're going to play some of his audio. Um, I believe it was Billick who asked him about Lauren Bessois this morning and, and Rick seemed to indicate that there is a plan in place to, to get Lauren Bressois perhaps even more games than they've gotten, gotten him in the first half. Um, but so, yeah, I suspect we see him on Thursday against the Rockford uh, Blackhawks. And uh, that probably saves Connor Hellebuck for, uh, you know, the national game on Saturday night. Uh, I'm sure he wants that game. And the Flyers are obviously uh, a team that's, in a bit better spot than the Blackhawks right now. So to me, that would make the most sense. Then you probably get Hellebuck. He'll come back and play the, probably against the Islanders next Tuesday because you don't want Hellebuck to sit too long. Well, I'd also I'd also suspect Brassois will get one of those road games. Maybe it's the Ottawa game, something like that. But I suspect, Huss, the Jets have eight games left before their player and all-star break. To me, Lauren Brassois probably plays two out of the eight and Hellebuck gets the other six. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just looking for where that other start is. Because of the way the things are set up, if Hellebuck goes in those games, you still got three days off before the game in Ottawa. It's an afternoon game. We know how Hellebuck loves those matinees. And then the following week, it's the Boston Bruins, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs on the road, two days off, and then the Leafs back here. So. No, maybe you are right. Maybe you go with the uh, with you know LB on the twentieth, um, and then Hellebuck will have five days in between starts, and then Boston, Toronto, 
and then again playing the Toronto Maple Leafs on the 27th. That being said, we've got some time to discuss that. It will be Hellebuck tonight. I know you got to get to your uh, car before uh, you're uh, out of here. So uh, thanks awesome. so much. I've got, I've already got two parking tickets this year. If you should almost have the counter in the corner here, and both <laughs> both of them have occurred like literally within within minutes, maybe seconds of the meter expiring. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't want the hat trick today. Um, I believe my parking officially expires at 32 minutes past the hour. So we'll. Uh, I'll keep you posted. We'll see if I manage to avoid the uh, the wrath of the parking inspector. Boot it, buddy. Uh, we'll look forward to uh, your coverage tomorrow in the Winnipeg Free Press. Thanks so much for doing this, and uh, enjoy the game tonight. You betcha. Have a great week. Good stuff. There's Mike McIntyre down at the rink, and uh, we'll head back to the rink in a minute and hear from Rick Bonus. Um, heading into tonight's tilt with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Hey, if you are going to the game tonight, do not forget... Craft Beer Corner is now stocked with our favorites from Little Brown Jug, including 1919 and Generic Lager. Section 126 in the lower bowl at the great new area where the old Moxie's was. And if you're in the 300s tonight, Craft Beer Corner is in Section 310, 1919, and Generic Lager available from Little Brown Jug. Um, and I know there was, I think Spency 5 Cents, he was asking, uh, he's from Edmonton, he was asking about beer prices um, don't forget, and this is new this year, for the local beers, if you are a package holder and you've got the Jets app and you've got the discount code, um, it works on the local beers too. Um, so uh, the I think the, the normal price is 12 something. I know the domestics come in uh, under 10 bucks if you've got the uh, if you've got the uh, the discount uh, for season tickets. but uh, listen, if you're gonna grab a beer or two at the game, you may as well make it Winnipeg's best little brown jug. And hey, if you are out at the beer store these days, take a look for generic. It's on sale now, $19.99 for the eight bowl, eight pack of tall boys. And no better place to try it and all the other great little brown jug beers down in the exchange uh, on William Avenue. Um, and check out their merch as well. It's also all available at littlebrownjug.ca with local delivery options. <clears throat> all right. We got to give a big shout out to our friends at Royal Sports. What a. 2023 it's been and i gotta tell you they're probably even a little busier right now in early 2024 certainly when it comes to the jet section with all the excitement around the team right now if you're thinking about adding a little bit of jets merch to your collection to wear down to canada life center around town royal sports is the spot to do it all the jerseys customized for your favorite name and number with your favorite player or yourself if you want not to mention thousands of pieces of Jets merch, including many exclusives you won't find anywhere else. Uh, a big bomber section as well. NFL, Major League Baseball, international soccer as well. The biggest hockey section in town. And of course, other cool things for winter like snowboards, boots, bindings. It's all there at Royal Sports. Pop down and see them, 750 Pemina Highway. And give them a follow on Instagram. For uh, the latest merchandise drops and sale information, they are at Royal Sports Pemina on the gram. And hey, if you're not making it out to the game tonight or Thursday, the next best place to be is gathering with your gang at your local Boston Pizza. Of course, the game is on all the big screens. Of course, the sound is on for the game. And of course, you can enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and more at Boston Pizza, a big supporter of your Winnipeg Jets. Make it a BP night today with the gang. 
And if you are staying at home, you can always get the great taste of Boston pizza delivered hot and fresh to your door by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. And hey, just before we get to Bones, shout out to Pitt, Pat, and our friends down at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge already planning for the upcoming fishing season. If you were thinking about an incredible world-class fly-in fishing getaway where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot. As incredible as the fishing is, the hospitality is actually even better. There's nothing like the Aikens experience. Find out more online at AikensLake.com. And you can also follow them on their socials at Aikens Lake on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, All right, let's get Remo back in here. Uh, We'll take a look at the big games, uh, 10 of them tonight in the National Hockey League in the cool bet lines in a minute. But uh, fun convos as they've all been lately talking about the Jets room with Mike McIntyre and, of course, one of our favorites, Mike Kelly. Yeah, I love uh, when Mike Kelly comes in here with all the numbers on how well the Jets were. Uh, Someone commented, you know, I could listen to out-of-market guests talk about how great the Jets are for (laughs) hours, and we're happy to provide that service. And, yeah, Mike's awesome. Follow him on Twitter, Mike Kelly NHL. Some great numbers there on the fourth line. You know, that's coming, as he said, you you want your fourth line to prevent goals. And they've certainly done that, allowing zero, the current iteration with Tornado, Axel, and Morgan Barron. But they're also scoring with four. And, you know, Tornado, point per game for a while. Uh, and we'll see. Let's see how he's the Dominic Tornado point per game player. But he's, uh, yeah, four points. It's slowed down a bit. Four points and seven. But those guys were awesome. Picking up the slack. I'm expecting a big game. From, you know, I actually wasn't expecting them to lose at some point, but it doesn't seem like that's ever happening. So, Hellebuck, shutout, uh, top line, multi-goal game. Big <laughs> test here tonight. It definitely won't be an S-word now that you've dropped it on well, there. Well, uh... I mean, that was a joke, but, I mean, you look at, you know, we'll go over the line. I think the team total is, like, over three and a half uh, here for the Jets. So, uh, like, you know, the line, the bookmakers are expecting a lot of goals here. Maybe Jets getting some recognition there. Well, and you know what, Dusty and I were talking about the Jets and uh, the Jackets team total. We put that in our partner parlay tonight. We'll talk about that in a minute when we get to uh, the lines and look at what's happening tonight in the National Hockey League. But in the meantime, by the way, well over 600 in here. If you popped in late, great to have you here. Um, special treat for Jet fans tomorrow on the program. Rucker McGrory joining us on WST. So do not miss that. Should be a fun show, and hopefully we'll be talking about another win and another day on top of the NHL standings after tonight's game. Um, but as far as tonight's game goes, um, as Mike mentioned, Rick Bonus spoke earlier today and uh, hit a number of topics, including the Jets' power play, who have been showing a little bit of life over the last week or so. Here's Bones on the PP. It's creating chances and it's gaining us momentum. We'd like to see the puck win a little bit more, yeah, but it's not going to go in until you start creating more chances and get the puck moving around. We had a couple of really good looks last game. Uh, It didn't go in, but as long as we're getting those looks, we're making progress because there was a couple of power plays that didn't. I mean, we weren't even getting a shot on net. Uh, So the puck is moving a lot quicker. It's moving around. Uh, The players are moving around more, and we're getting more opportunities because of it. Must be a point of pride, though, that you guys are where you are right now, and there's still you would 
be the first to say there's a lot of room for improvement on both special teams, right? Yeah. Speaks to the strength, especially of your even strength play this year. Yeah, but until you win a Stanley Cup, there's always room for improvement. And it's so on everything, and that's the way we live here. Every, every day we want to address things. Every day we want to keep getting better with the ultimate goal of the Stanley Cup. But until you win that, you should be trying to get better at everything every day. All right. Well, I mean, the team continues to uh, try to move forward and improve in certain areas. The one place they can improve, their spot in the standings. Um, here's what Bones has to say about being number one in the National Hockey League and that's still con- con- trying to continue moving forward and getting better as a club. Right now, we just look at getting better. That's a pro- We look at the process every day. That's that's what we keep our focus on. That stuff will take care of itself. As you said, there's still half a year to go. We've got 43 more games to go. During that time, we're going to try to keep getting better. So if we do get that position, that we're ready for it. And that's what I was going to ask. Like You don't sense any change in mindset of your players. You're certainly not playing any differently. No. Um, despite being where you are, the, 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 it may be increased pressure or spotlight or whatever. It doesn't seem to be impacting anyone. We haven't done anything yet, right? Getting the playoffs first. So we, we haven't done anything yet. Yeah, we've had a good year up to this point, and we're going to keep pushing them and keep pushing them and keep getting better. Well, there's Bones. Uh, very true. You don't raise a banner for being number one in the league after 39 games. Um, but man, what a start it has been. And, and Remo, just before we get to the rest of these clips, I mean, I just listen to bones and think of the season that this team has had. Um, I think there'll be a lot of microphones in front of Rick bonus's face about what has happened here in Winnipeg. If uh, bones is one of the representatives of the uh, Winnipeg jets at the all-star game, if this team can uh, keep their winning ways through this week. You know, I hadn't even thought about it until you mentioned the beginning of the show. And then I remembered the, how we wanted to see him get in so badly last year. I think it'd be nice to get the recognition. I, you know, we're looking at the voting that's coming out. It ends Thursday. It's all Toronto and Vancouver. I don't want to see that. You need, you know, these got, we've got some Jets on this team as more than deserving. Josh Morrissey should 100% be there, but they have this ridiculous system. Hmm where you have to have one person from every team. So a lot of players who are all-stars, you've got a number of top 10 scores in the league who aren't on the team. Uh, ridiculous. So I, let's get another Jed in there, Rick Bonus. That'll be fun to see. Certainly deserving and, and beloved around the league. And, you know, not only all-star, we talked about trophies yesterday. It's trophy watch. And you have to think Rick Bonus for Jack Adams is certainly one of those. And, you know, lots of love for Kevin Cheveldayoff as well over the last year, bringing in, Nino Nemesikov executing the PLD trade, signing uh, those two players, oh. and also signing Shifley, not Shifley and Hellebuck. So Jets award watch is on, and I'd like to see Josh Morsey uh, get a nomination for the Norris because he got snubbed last year. Well, you know what? You're right. Um, Bones, if th- things keep going the way they are, Bones is going to get a lot of consideration for the Jack Adams. Chevy absolutely will for the GM of the year. Um, the... As I said, we started this yesterday. Jennings' watch is on, and the Jets are the top team in goals against right now, and let's see if we can keep that going tonight. Um, you know, <clears throat> I mentioned the Maurice era and many of the self-fulfilling prophecies we sometimes got from the coach about, you know, all the things that were going against the club. Um, I haven't heard this, but I'm looking forward to it. I guess Billick, <laughs> as Mike mentioned, asked Bones about 
You know, all the built-in excuses that could be around the club that they've just sort of shunned and uh, continue their winning ways. There's six games in nine nights, third and whatever. It's at end of the road trip. It's end of a dad's trip. There's so much there. I mean, we've heard before that these can be scheduled losses or trap games or whatever, and you guys come out and, and win 6-2. How does that – how do you – how do you explain that from your team? A couple of reasons. One, when we uh, the, the depth, where we roll four lines for the most part, um, does it cut into some ice time with other guys? Yeah, but for the long-term benefit of our team, it's important that we get in those stretches of a heavy, heavy schedule that you are able to roll four lines and you do trust your fourth line to be out there against anybody, which we're able to do, um, and and. We're trying to keep the people as fresh as we possibly can um, so that we can continue to play well and keep our team game, our five-on-five game on top of where it is right now. But that's what we really stress is, is everyone contributing whatever they can. Uh, the role is different. The status is the same. Um, they're, everyone's an important part of the team. It's important we roll four lines, six defense, and we, it's important that everyone keeps focusing on the process, that we just take care of game to game. All right, there's bones on uh, all of that. And, hey, business as usual for the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, that business is good right now for uh, for Winnipeg. Uh, Adam Lowry had a monster game. We saw him get the jacket in the room in Arizona, scored, had a fight earlier on. Um, Rick was just asked about the continued contributions of uh, 17 as the guy with the C on his chest. We said in the, when we named him captain, we had Mark, we had uh, Mo, we had good options, and uh, we went with Adam, and um, Adam is just the same, right? <laughs> which is what we were hoping and expecting. He would just continue to be the same guy, and he is. He's the same guy that has a great presence on the ice, the same guy that's going to show up and battle every night, same guy that's going to show up and be one of our top penalty killers and do all the little things, all the dirty little things necessary to win, going to the net, finishing hits, making his presence felt. When something's going on, he's the first guy in there. So um, he's doing everything what we had hoped, and there's been no change to him. And um, that's you know why we went with him. What, what, what don't we see? Pardon me? What don't we see? Like, we, we only see, I think you, you said think 10%. I'm going to tell you what you don't see? <laughs> well, I just ask, you know, like, what, what behind the scenes stuff does Adam do that maybe, you know, is there anything that. that you uh, no, I mean, he, he, on the bench, he's very good on the bench. When things aren't going good, to, uh, to be vocal, very good in the locker room. He knows when to speak up, when knows to calm it down. Those are the things that, you know, you, that he did last year as, my, as well, too. So that's why he's wearing the C. All right, some high praise for Adam Lowry from Rick Bonus. One more from Bones, and, uh, you know, we've talked about the goals against. The numbers of Hellebuck and Brassois, but uh, Bones was asked if this is the most dominant stretch he's seen from Connor Hellebuck since he's been here. Uh, I'd have to think. There's been a lot of dominant stretches. He's been outstanding since I've been here. Right. Yes, I've been around elite. I've been fortunate to be around elite goaltenders a, a long time. He's right up there, but he was obviously very good last year, and he's just yeah, he's doing it again this year.
Well, the fact that you're allowing fewer shots on goal, do you see him benefiting from that in his... In his well, we just hope that they get in the second half that we're cutting down on his games played and we're cutting down on the high traffic zones and all the quality, the volume of shots. We're hoping that by March he's still going to be very, very fresh and that, that we're not wearing him out. That was the objective going in. Okay, we, gotta, we, had, we were better defensively last year. We still wanted to be better this year. We are. Uh, LB's been playing great, so it's going to give us a chance not to play him as much and make sure that we get into March, that he is rested and fresh and ready to go. Well, and this, um, this sort of goes back to what we kicked around with Mike Kelly, Reem, and I mean, the bottom line was the Jets had to play Connor Hellebuck pretty much every game down the stretch if they wanted to be in the playoffs. And what they've done right now is giving themselves the um, the cushion, if you will, that you can go with your backup. But at the same time, the backup, if you want to call them that, has been so darn good um, that there shouldn't be any questions right now to give Hellebuck a night off. But the night the night's off, again, this is my hypothesis. I'm not sure if we can prove it. Is that it's a heck of a lot more important for Hellebuck to be getting nights off later on in March and maybe early in April um, because... They want to see him get 16 wins come playoff time. And, uh, you know, some rest down the stretch that he didn't have last year is going to be really important. Um, high praise from Bones on Adam Lowry. Um, and Lowry came back. And I, I think if anyone saw some of the video that the Jets put out, especially from the locker room of just how cool it was for the guys to have their dads and mentors with them and continue this run that they've been on. Um, it was great. But Adam Lowry was just asked about uh, the trip they just had and um, how special it was for he, his teammates, and all their guests. You know, it, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was great to have them and let them experience kind of, you know, life on the road for us, how well we're treating this organization and kind of just get to share, you know, the, the plane rides and almost a thank you for all their, their support and their help and their sacrifice getting us uh, to experience and you know we get to live our dream it was nice to be able to to share that with them but to, to go three and zero with them and you know kind of enjoy the plane rides after and you know, enjoy the golf day in Arizona it was awesome I think winning always makes things uh, that much more enjoyable and you know hopefully for all of them they, they really enjoyed that trip um you know the uh <laughs> This is some good stuff from Lowry today. Um, you know, let's get to the Hellebuck question. Adam Lowry, of course, has been a teammate with Connor Hellebuck since um, hell he's been a Jet. Um, probably maybe even more so than Rick Bonus. He's the best guy to ask if this is the best stretch that he's seen from Connor Hellebuck. Here's what the captain had to say to that. I think we've had so many stretches where his play has been unbelievable. I think the way we've been playing defensively, almost has allowed this streak to kind of continue on and that's nothing to take away from Connor's game. He's the best goalie in the world in my mind. He's gives us a chance to win every night. I think, you know, I, he just hasn't been as busy per se, but you know, some of those saves he made at key times in the game. Uh, you know, it was a tight game. We we give up a two on one and then they get a big save and you know even a second chance opportunity and he makes them look so routine. I think, you know, that's the great thing about Connor is you know, every night if it takes a few minutes or a period to, to find our game, which it really hasn't this year. But if it does, you know, we always know we, both our goalies, but especially Connor, it gives us a chance to win. So 
Um, you know, we, we hope we can keep playing well in front of him. We, we hope that uh, he can keep up this level of play and you know continue throughout the, the second half of the season. All right, a uh, little more from the captain, and this is uh, sort of along the lines of that coach, that question to the coach uh, about you know a potential trap game or layoffs and how the team is just goes about their business with a no excuses attitude night in and night out. I think some of it goes down to our goaltending. I, I think we look at the Anaheim game on a back-to-back, and you know, we weren't as sharp as we'd expect, or you know, as crisp. And LB made some unbelievable saves. I think you, you could see, you know, we weren't as sharp on the forecheck. We weren't, you know, as over top of them, and we gave up a few more more chances than you know we like. And I, I think you can chalk that one up to a little fatigue and you know some mental mistakes and things like that. But you know, I, I think. With how we, we play and, and the structure we have, you know, every night it, it gives you a chance to win, whether you have your legs or you don't. We're, we're not giving up a ton of odd man rushes. You know, our forecheck does a really good job of checking off guys and, you know, trying to limit their speed coming through the neutral zone, forcing dump pucks and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I think looking at our structure, you, we've really had contributions from all four lines in, in different games. Um, there, there's been big goals by different lines. It, different times you know the, the power play comes up with a big goal in San Jose and you know, I know our special teams have struggled but that was the difference in that game and things like that so um, you know it, sometimes you go through those and you, you don't have your legs and you know it's easy to throw in the towel I think we're so committed to each other and you know the, the structure and kind of finding ways to win that uh, we, we've been able to do that. All right, so uh, there's Captain Adam Lowry. And one more from the captain. And Remus, of course, did a great job cutting all this stuff up. I'm looking forward to hearing this answer um, because it's a question about some of those things that, you know, Billick was mentioning that we kind of maybe don't see. Um, But Adam was asked if he's had to step up in the locker room this year and make a rah-rah captain-style speech. Here's what he had to say to that. I I think we've got off to an exceptional start and you know, I think winning makes the, the job a lot easier so um, we, we've got a lot of mature players you know a lot of veteran guys a lot of really good leaders in this room and I think you know for the most part we, we know what we expect out of each other we know what we expect out of ourselves and you know so far we've, we've done a really good job of bringing that every night there's only been a couple of games this year I think where we weren't thrilled with our effort or the results or, or things like that and you know, we've done a really good job when we've had one of those games of coming to the rink the next day of practice and working on our game, putting it behind us and, you know, kind of starting fresh and, you know, getting the results that we would expect. So, you know, I'm pretty fortunate. i got a great group of leaders around me and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to a great second half. All right. So there's the captain, Adam Lowry. Um, let's hear from Mark Shifley with a couple clips as well. Uh, here's what Shif had to say. Uh, uh, about the dad mentors trip. He, of course, spoke in the locker room afterwards. It was a very, very cool scene. Uh, and it seemed like the good vibes have just carried back on the plane to the peg. But here's Shifley on the trip that just had they just had with their very special guests. That, that trip will, will go down uh, in the memory bank for sure. It was a, it was an awesome time. Um, you know, a lot of great guests were there. It was awesome meeting meeting some some new dads. And, um, you know, it, it was it was a fantastic trip. Correctly, is that your dad missed a bus or something like that? For, uh, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I guess he he missed a bus. He doesn't have a cell phone, so he he uh, um, he wasn't able to get an Uber. So luckily, someone at the hotel 
uh, was able to get him an Uber and 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 got got him the Uber, got him in the Uber, paid for it and everything. So so whoever that whoever that lady was, thank you very much for taking care of my dad. Uh, you know that was obviously uh, you know that's kind of just the way he is. Okay, I I just have to admit, I mean, did he just say that his dad doesn't have a cell phone? Yeah, he's that resisting. Got, that, that has got to be one of the last few holdouts in uh, in society today. You know, shout out to, shout out to Mister Shifley for holding yeah. it down as being a no cell phone guy. I yeah, I'm, it's hard to think, but yeah, there's people out there don't have a cell phone, and someone had to call him an Uber and and pay for it. Even uh, wild, well, who uh, Les, who's in our the WST group. He's always in here. He doesn't have a cell phone either. Yeah, he's got, that's right. Les Thompson, get, he, he uses the iPad back at home. Gets the Jets to print out uh, the tickets for him. I mean, that's the, one of the first uh, printed tickets I'd seen in a while at Canada Life Center. So there's people out there. There's holdouts. And shout out to the good Samaritan who helped out uh, Mark Shifley's dad. Who missed the bus. Said he's always late. That's just, uh, they're used to it. <laughs> just the way he rolls. And obviously it's a call on the landline after big games for uh, for number one son we got one more from shifley and uh, listen i mean his his work in the 200 foot game and his buy-in to what the jets are doing defensively has been one of the biggest stories of the entire year from my perspective uh but here's what 55 had to say about the jets defensive play as a team this year compared to last season I think we're just all, all on the same page. You know, I think at times last year, you know, you didn't know if a guy was going or, you know, when to, um, you know, when to jump a guy, when not to, when to stay, you know, in your spot, when not to. I think a lot of those, a lot of those things uh, take time to, you know, to, to feel themselves out. And, um, you know, I think this year it's just, you know, we, we've done a better job at, at clarifying what to do in certain, certain situations and, um, you know, really, really honed down on that. And I think that that helps, helps a lot. In terms of you know knowing your reads and things become instinctual, it makes it easier, and I think it's getting more and more to that point. All right, lots of good stuff from the Jets dressing room tonight, seven o'clock or just afterwards. Puck drop tonight. Um, uh, hope to see you all there, and uh, hope to be back on the air talking about the Jets continuing all of these streaks they're on right now as they stay atop of the National Hockey League standings. You know, Remo, we're going to get to uh, the lines and talk about a big night in the National Hockey League, but. Um, before we do that, let's take a quick time out to um, get a little bit of bomber news right now. And I know Ted was uh, on, uh, our pal Ted Wyman from The Sun was on the uh, conference call today with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers general manager, Kyle Walters. And uh, a bunch of news coming out of this one, including Walters sees he doesn't see a chance of Drew Brown coming back. It sounds like he's going to sign somewhere else that he feels there's more opportunity to uh, play a little bit more. And I can't say that that's a surprise. Yeah, that's not much of a surprise. And, you know, we're entering CFL offseason. I wonder, uh, you know, how the Bombers team is going to look going forward. We talked to Jeff yesterday. He said he was talking to a number of coaches. And, yes, Drew Brown not coming back, looking for an opportunity elsewhere. I'm curious where he ends up. But does Calgary, if you think, who needs a quarterback? Not Edmonton. You know, not uh, with Vancouver's. They're good. Calgary, do they go with Mayer still? I think Toronto's good. Hamilton restructured Bow. Montreal re-signed uh, Grey Cup MVP. Was he MOP? Grey Cup MOP? Cody Fajardo? Ugh. Was he? He was MOP, right? I blocked it out of my memory. Yeah, yeah he was. He was? For the What are they was. calling that drive in Montreal? Anyways, moving on. Um, talking about re-signing players, Kyle Walters. Yes, the... Uh, 
Brady Oliveira and Dalton shown big ticket players. They need contracts. What's going to happen with them? You know, we saw Austin Mack sign from Montreal sign with Atlanta yesterday. It seems like NFL, you know, I haven't really heard about NFL opportunities for those guys. I did see Demario Houston has, he was working out with the Chargers. And how about this one player returning or said wants to keep playing Stanley Bryant, age 38. He'll be 38 when training camp starts, says he wants to keep playing. And That's big, and too. I mean, we know how, I mean, he has been, I've often said that Harris is the most impactful signing, mm-hmm. arguably in CFL history, um, as far as a free agent. But very close to Andrew Harris, and, and maybe now that we look at the big picture about his time here, is the signing of Stanley Bryant to uh, yes. begin shoring up that offensive line. And we heard from Brady before. He wanted to know what's happening with the offensive line when he thinks about his options for uh, coming up. So that's definitely a good thing for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers when it comes to getting Brady uh, done. Um, but it's pretty clear that, as Walter said, they have to make a decision soon on will it get done with Dalton Schoen and Brady Oliveira or not they need to change course as they uh, don't want to be left with openings and no players for some very key and crucial roles in the bomber offense. Yeah. And so CFL free agency opens February 13 at noon Eastern. So we'll have to circle that on our calendar, but the bombers, Walters is saying the bombers are going to have to decide what are they going to do with Dalton Schoen and Brady Oliveira? Cause if they can't get it done, they'll have to come up with alternate plans. They don't want to be left at the altar with nothing. Uh, so certainly interesting to follow and shout it to you. Ted Wyman of The Sun and Taylor Allen of the Free Press reporting on the Bombers. Commissioner offseason. Taylor Allen. Commissioner of the Fantasy League. Yeah, Bill. You know, I'm still rattled. I'll just give a show to commissioners of Fantasy Leagues. Give a prize for most points in the regular season <laughs> in case the schedule gods uh, don't bless you when it comes to the playoffs. So. Oh, what do you know? I just got a, a deposit from Commissioner Taylor Allen for my great run through the playoffs, not to uh, not to pour salt in the wounds or anything, uh, Michael Remus. I'm still mad, you know? I don't know. Like, I got, I had bad matchups. My team, I bet you if you look at the aggregate of the playoffs, my team had the best points. My team had the best points in the regular season. Um, I don't, time for a two-game losing streak. I can, all I can tell you, it's the... Uh, just the way uh, I would have beat you way, if I would have played happen. you in the finals. My team smashed, so I don't know. Yeah, Sorry, Jeff you. had Harrison Butker, who got 24 <laughs> points. Like, kiss my ass. So mad. <laughs> Biggest bullshit. Right. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I Kevin knew, Hayes I can it. say can say bullshit. I knew I was going to trigger him, folks, with that. I probably shouldn't have done that, but it was it was uh, somewhat fun. All right, let's get over to the cool bet lines today because we got a big busy day in the uh, National uh, Hockey League. Uh, but before we do that, a quick look at these lines for the football games on the weekend um, because there's been some pretty significant big-time movement in one game. Um, the Browns has been going back between two-and-a-half and, and three-point favorites against the Texans. Right now, Cleveland are laying three on the road against the AFC South champion Texans. The Chiefs yesterday were three-and-a-half-point favorites. They are now four-point favorites over Miami, and I think that has a lot to do with people looking at the weather forecast for Arrowhead Stadium on Saturday night. And let's just say that this ain't Miami, folks. It is going to be in the neighborhood of minus 20 
uh, potentially by game time. What a way to welcome Tyreek Hill back to Arrowhead in some pretty frigid conditions. Chiefs now four-point favorites in the Saturday night game. Three games on Saturday. Bills were 10-point favorites yesterday. It's now dropped to nine and a half. The Packers and Cowboys, uh, that Cowboys number, seven and a half point favorites, has stayed there. It has not moved over the course of the last day or so. Uh, Same with the Rams and Lions. Detroit laying three as the home favorite. But the line that's moved the most, Remo, and this is a big line, especially when you think of the numbers that it's moved from. Philly opened yesterday as a four and a half point favorite. And the Eagles are down to just three-point favorites in Tampa. And I know Tampa didn't look particularly great, you know, winning 9 nothing against Carolina and having a real rough game in Week 17 against the Saints. But the Eagles have been brutal. And that loss to the Giants with their starters playing on Sunday, I think maybe ramped up people's doubts of Philadelphia. And uh, apparently it looks like a lot of people supporting the Bucks right now as that's gone from four and a half down to three. Yeah, I'll have to wait and see on the injuries. Like uh, Jalen Hurts banged his finger up last game. And who, uh, but A.J. Brown got not, you know banged up. Devontae Smith missed. I think Smith and Swift, who were held out, will be fine. But uh, the Eagles defense in the last like, you know, six, seven weeks has been among the worst in the league and Buccaneers are at home and yeah, I'll take them plus the three points. And yeah, I'm with you has, uh, I think the chiefs are going to take the dolphins. You know, they've got a number of injuries on defense and we'll see about Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert. They missed last game. That'd be big. I mean, I think having Tyree kill and Waddle is huge uh, for Tua, but if you know, you only have the big weapon there, he's much easier to stop uh, Tyree kill. If there's no, Waddle as the other receiver as well, not not as great as those two. And the TJ Watt injury, that's big for Pittsburgh. I'll be shocked if they win against yeah, the Bills. They've shocked me every week, though. Like, I don't know. And the Bills have been pretty inconsistent. Like, maybe Josh Allen does throw four interceptions and they lose. But a miracle run for the Bills, because we were here being like, could the Bills miss the playoffs? Look at all these good teams they have to beat. And they had to run the table, and they got there. Well, they did, although it wasn't even a sure thing heading into Sunday. I mean, when Jacksonville finished their end-of-season faceplant and lost to the Tennessee Titans, the Bills were in. Um, but, you know, one win, and now they're the two-seed right now. And by the way, if you want to ride with me on the script parlay, uh, Bills to win, <laughs> Chiefs to win, and Browns to win, which would create a divisional weekend in the AFC of Joe Flacco and the Browns going back to Baltimore to take on the Ravens and a Bills-Chiefs playoff rematch um, in Buffalo this time. It's now plus 194. It was plus 208 yesterday, uh, but the Chiefs are a bigger money line favorite than they were yesterday. All right, let's get to the NHL tonight because uh, it is busy. We started off with the Kraken and the Sabres in Buffalo. Just about to pick them. Buffalo, a very slight minus 112 favorite. Um, good one. Good one in Tampa. Uh, the Kings, who have been just sort of so-so as of late, taking on the Lightning. And it's interesting. That was The Lightning was plus 102 when we did the lock chop. It's now up to plus 109. So the Kings, a little bit of a bigger favorite at minus 128. The Leafs are a massive minus 426 favorite against the Sharks. The Islanders uh, taking on the Canucks. Man, did the Canucks look good last night playing against the New York Rangers. Um, Islanders at home tonight, 
minus 130. Canucks plus 111 on the second end of back-to-backs. You've got the Predators, minus 225 favorites at home against the Ducks. Florida, a minus 187 favorite on the road at the St. Louis Blues. Florida, one of the other hottest teams in the uh, National Hockey League. We'll save the Jets for last. Uh, Oilers, (laughs) Oilers minus 439 road favorites against the Blackhawks. Uh, Boston, minus 137 favorites in Arizona. Boston went the distance and OT last night against Colorado. Um, but Boston, I think most would agree, a much better team than Arizona right now. That's why they're favored, even on the second end of back-to-backs. Uh, All-Canadian matchup in Calgary with the Flames going at the Senators. Flames trying to erase the bad taste in their mouth of losing to what's left of the Blackhawks in their last time out. Flames minus 134, Sens plus 114. Uh, but back to the Columbus game and the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets, not surprisingly, a pretty big home favorite at minus 258. Columbus is plus 215. The total for the game is six and a half, minus 120 to the under. And if you do want a better number, uh, you can take the Jets puck line, which means to win by two or more at plus 102. But tell you what might be my favorite bet, Remus, and I kind of kicking myself for not getting on this a little bit more earlier on. If you click on the totals, the Columbus team total for under two and a half is minus 147. That's in regulation. That's a number that the Jets have hit, what, 16 games in a <laughs> row right now? Yeah. I mean, how do we not how do we not put a little sprinkle on Columbus under two and a half considering what the Jets have been doing lately? It's been happening every game, so that's that's interesting. They're gonna look at goal scoring props, but yes, betting against the Blue Jets. I did mention shout out on the show for hell, but you know, it's funny. I was putting the stats on the screen yesterday. I was surprised. He's only got one this year. Seems low for me. Well, he got, he got waived uh, a couple times. That probably should be three. Um, certainly two, but um, waved. What do you mean? Well, he got cursed by the wave. Oh, uh, or, cursed. Or, sorry. The, yeah. At, yeah. At the end. And yeah, as yeah. I said, I tweeted right. out, everyone needs to apologize to Connor Hellebuck for, uh, ill-timed wave that uh, that cost him a shutout. Um, anyways, in all seriousness, as far as the goal scorer goes, no, Shifley and I know <laughs> Shifley and Ehlers, Shifley and Ehlers plus one sixty-two to score tonight. Gabriel Velarde plus one eighty. Nino Niederreiter plus two fifty. Cole Perfetti plus two ninety. You have to go all the way down to Marchenko at three to one for the first Blue Jacket on this list. Uh, I have follow at three to one as well. And the guy that I'm probably most looking forward to seeing tonight, Adam Fantilli in his Canada Life Center debut. He's at plus 315. Johnny Gaudreau at plus 345. Do you have any leans on a goal scorer for tonight? We could we could do a, a WST parlay. Um how about Al I have follow at plus three? If you're looking for like lower down, like not the top line, Alex I follow is getting power play one time. You know, the what the Blue Jackets, you know, they give up a lot of goals. That one could be interesting. And, I mean, you want to go down the list. Mm, I don't know. That's that's tough. You know, I'm more of a – I'd probably lean with uh, one of these top guys. You know, Velarde, it's been a bit for him. I think Velarde. I think Velarde is the guy. He's the lowest I'm gonna, one. I'm going to so. tab tonight. So how about this? Uh, and I'll text Jake, and we'll get this up in the exclusives shortly. But we'll go Jets to win in regulation, Columbus under two and a half, 
Ooh. and a Velarde goal. Ooh. I'm going to do that. So anyways, get that in there. I will text Jake. We'll get that cooking, and we'll have that over in the Cool Bet exclusives. It'll be under Winnipeg Sports Talk Parlay. We'll probably have that up in about half an hour. Uh, we did do a lock shop partner parlay today. Um, and we we were talking a lot about that team total for the Blue Jackets. So we're going to use that one uh, for the lock shop. Blue Jackets under two and a half goals in regulation. Bruins to win, money line. And then the Predators and the Oilers to win in regulation. Uh, that one was about plus 590. They gave us a real nice boost. It's up to plus 675. Um, so you can jump on that in the lock shop partner parlay. And then... A whole bunch of the characters that are with us in our, our lock shop chat every day were throwing out all sorts of shot props. And uh, so we uh, let, the, let, the, let the nasty chat do their thing. Buchnevich, three or more shots. Brady Kachuk, four or more shots. And the Kraken to win is plus 585. But uh, keep an eye out for the WST parlay. We'll get that in uh, probably within about 20 minutes or so. We're going to go... Jets to win in regulation, Columbus team total under two and a half, and a Gabriel Velarde goal. Uh, and the guys will take good care of us with a nice number. So check that out a little bit later on. Uh, Remo, are you going to come hungry tonight for our night in the lap of luxury in the Play Now Lounge with uh, our winner, Lucas? Yeah, once I just people asking who in chat who the goalie is, it'll be Daniil Tarasov in net for the Blue Jackets tonight. Uh, Record two two and two three sixty goals against eight ninety four save percentage and yes I'm ready to check out these new uh, facilities check out our what Instagram reels and things here on YouTube Shorts TikTok did a nice Ooh. I did a great voiceover on the tour we took of the new renovations <laughs> and we will be there tonight in the premium the super premium lounge so I we'll see uh we'll see what it's like us. Yeah, Rivas might not be a guy that you would have thought as being a voiceover guy, but you'd be uh, you'd be surprised. And uh, it's all there for you. It was a very popular popular uh, mm-hmm. reel on our channel, um, and we're we're gonna go Chuck Hellebuck, I think, tonight. And um, we'll tweet out a whole <laughs> bunch of pictures of the things that we're eating in those uh, in those seats tonight, uh, up in uh, those converted suites up above the Ticketmaster Lounge and. Again, a big shout-out to uh, our friend Mitch at Ticketmaster who helped support our Christmas cheer board run uh, with this prize and looking forward to having Lucas, who I believe won it on his birthday. He was all fired up. Lucas and his guests join us for that game tonight. Um, tomorrow, Remo, is going to be a big show. I can tell already from the reaction of people in the chat how fired people up are for the return of Rutt. Rucker McGrory joining us tomorrow. We'll talk about his gold medal I'm sure he'll still be pumped in the as long as as well as the rest of the Michigan men on uh, the big football win last night. Um, but we'll talk to him about the World Juniors this season so far and see if he's been keeping tabs on the team that drafted him number one uh, and how they're doing in the standings right now. Yeah, I'm pumped for that. We had a great appearance with him. He's been on a couple times after he was drafted after uh, the World Juniors last year. It'll be nice to catch up again and see you know see about the world junior experience in sweden uh winning gold improving on last year but also uh how he's going with michigan and you know coming back so soon has uh from that injury because he was skating what in a non-contact at the start of the tournament and really his game just improved as it went on and you saw him making a huge impact there for team usa 
uh, throwing his body around, but also, uh, you know, using his soft hands to rack up a couple apples there. Yeah, I see everyone in the chat. Reeman's saying, oh, my wife will be mad if I don't have salad. Bill probably put out a salad yeah. picture. Yeah. Just to, you know, you know, maintain the uh maintain the the image. Well, but I have a feeling. I'm really interested to see what the uh, what the food is there tonight. You uh, I know we'll be able to take out much of it. You referenced Chuck Hellebuck, so uh Joel wrote no salad picks, boys. Chuck was <laughs> all over the nacho uh nacho yeah. bar and I joked. Well, and he did he, he did a picture of the untouched tofu salad. Oh, okay. And then I <laughs> joked that yeah, my wife will require me to have salad for going. So people are making making more jokes on that in the chat. No doubt about it. Um, but anyways, tomorrow's gonna be fun. Uh Rucker McGrory on the program. Really looking forward to catching up with him. And I know Winnipeg Jet fans uh always look forward to catching uh up with Rucker and the incredible energy he brings to the table. And yes, speaking of Chuck Hellebuck references Things are in the works, and uh, I do. I don't want to confirm this, but we are hoping, and I think it looks positive that uh, later on this week, Thursday or Friday, the social media star of the mentors trip will be jumping on. And uh, meanwhile, I want to find out more about three D printing. To be honest, as well, in addition to what it's like being the father of the best goalie on the planet. I need some YouTube tips. What are you talking? About? He's got two hundred ninety thousand that too subscribers that too. on YouTube, so we could learn a thing or two. We're only at ten point four k. Long way to go. Catch Although up. It was a big, big, uh, big boost yesterday, and a lot of people finding the channel. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And uh, wow, lots of thumbs up today. If you haven't already hit it, let's get that to three hundred by the time we're finished up the show. Already over two eighty. It literally is the easiest thing you can do to help us. Just click that thumbs up. It helps us spread the channel. And there's a lot of people looking for Winnipeg Jets right now, and they know where they'll find it every day. 1 p.m. live on YouTube here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And if you found us on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for when you're not able to join us live on YouTube. It'll be up in your inbox just around 3.30, just in time for your drive home from work if you're working a 9 to 5. So Blue Jackets and Jets tonight, 7 o'clock. Tomorrow will be all over tonight's game. Look ahead to Thursday against the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, Murata Tesh has a great piece on the Winnipeg Jets up until this point. Basically, after Thursday night, the halfway point of the season, we'll chop it up with him and special guest Rucker McGrory coming off his gold medal performance with Team USA at the World Juniors all on tomorrow's show. Do not miss it. But in the meantime, gang, have a great evening. Enjoy tonight's game. Huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. And all of you, especially the new WSD viewers that have found us and hanging out with us today on YouTube. Uh, Again, I'm going to fire that in for our WST parlay tonight. Check that out in about 15 or 20 minutes. It should be up in the Clubet exclusives. Other than that, have a good one tonight. Enjoy the game. Hopefully we'll see you out at the rink. Let's get a few more butts in the seats there as this team certainly deserves it. And we'll break it all down for you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, live on YouTube, right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great one, everybody. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.